hello everyone. We are back with our human experience. And today we have the honor of the lovely Kayla Hartz joining us. Uh, we're going to chat today, Melissa and Kayla and I, about transitioning from being a full-time professional in the workforce to a full-time mother. And what that has looked like for Kayla, the, the good, the bad, the ugly, the challenges, uh, the ways that she's found success in that transition, and everything in between. So sit back and enjoy our human experience. Let's chat. Kayla, a little background information for us just to give everyone some insight into who you are and, and kind of how you've gotten to where you are at this point in your life. Yeah, that's always kind of a fun question to answer. It's like you can get the long version or the short version. So I'll just give the short version because I imagine we'll dive into some of the longer stuff. But um, so I'm 30 years old. I'm about to have my third kid, um, which was uh, not, I thought maybe I'd only ever have two, but that's okay. We're going to have have three soon. Um, but I grew up in Florida and then moved to the D.C. area. I worked there. I was a project manager for a number of years and got married and realized that we weren't going to be able to afford a house in the D.C. area. So we moved to Rochester. I continued to work for a while. We had a kid and moved back to the D.C. area. It was incredibly expensive. We had to actually make some really tough decisions. And then that's kind of where we got to the point where it was like, all right, am I going to continue to work or am I going to stay home with our kids? And uh, ultimately, you know, as, as you know, we made the decision for me to quit my job and stay home. Um, but uh, then we moved back up here and started having more kids. And that kind of gets me to where I am now. <laughs> I guess there's a lot of stuff in between there. I mean, no, that was very to... detailed. That's it. Now we all understand. All right, guys, we're done. So take that information, use it, apply it to your journey as a parent. No, <laughs> uh, no, that's a great little uh, synopsis of kind of how we got to, to where you are now. And I know we were really excited when. Uh, when you guys had moved, we were, you know, we were bummed to yeah. see you guys go. And then when you were coming back, what seemed like really a, a pretty short period of time. I don't remember. How long it was, was that it you was guys were gone? Ten, it was 10 months. And honestly, like, it was probably the 10 worst months of at least the last decade of my life. <laughs> uh, and, and my husband would say so, too. Kyle would say so, too, that it was just absolutely terrible to make that. We made the decision for economic reasons in my mm. husband's job. And he got promoted and a raise and it was great and we thought that you know we had some friends in the area so it's gonna be fine most of our friends in the area didn't have any kids and they were actually in the city and we were in the suburbs so we never actually saw anyone we didn't have anybody to watch our children like I ended up quitting my job and had nobody to spend the day with it was just a really terrible experience but what I'll say about it is that having that experience for 10 months and then making the decision to move back here I mean it really solidifies why I want to live here and that this is the place that we want to be. I mean, often Kyle and I will continue to talk amongst ourselves and with our friends. We're like, oh, can we stay in New York State forever? Like, gosh, taxes are high yeah. or whatever. But we have lived in a place that had incredible taxes. We, like, mm -hmm. the, the laws were great. Like, you could, you know, Kyle could go shooting whenever he wanted and it was fine. And, and, and we really liked it, but we had no friends. And yeah. we had no family. Mm -hmm. So it was like, okay, why do you want to live in a place, even if you, sure, you've got, like, more disposable income now, but what are you going to do with it? You're going to go to, like, a chain restaurant yeah. and, like, maybe, <laughs> like, go for a hike. Or, I, I don't know. It's just, like, life is not as enjoyable if you don't have the people around you that you really love and care about. 
And so having that experience for 10 months and then moving back here, it just like, we, we know we don't want to go anywhere else. Yeah. We'll go somewhere else if other people go with us. <laughs> like, I mean, that's what ultimately solidified our move back from California. hundred percent. That's yeah. exactly what I was, I was just thinking about. Yeah. And it's, I think it's, it's nice that you guys were able to experience that lesson fully and, and go in and live it. There's been numerous times over the years where we've had clients come to the gym that would talk about, Hey, I got this job opportunity, you know, over here or there, I got to move. And, and there's a lot of fear and anxiety around making that move for a lot of people. Yeah. And I would always tell them, you're not going to prison. You're going to Kansas or mm -hmm. Texas or wherever it is, right? You can come back. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. It, why not go and have the experience? Maybe you love it. Yeah. Maybe you hate it. Either way, isn't that valuable? And, and that was really, Absolutely, I mean, yeah. you described what was very much our lives in Southern California when we moved out there. Now, we stayed there for five years, but we also didn't have children at the time. Yeah. So it's a little bit easier to be a little more free-flowing. And even there, we ended up, oddly enough, having uh, half a dozen or so friends of mine from my, when I was younger that lived there. Like oh, 10 minutes away from us. So I, yeah. I knew they lived in Southern California somewhere, but I, yeah. I wasn't familiar with the areas. So, you know, we asked one of our friends, Mikey, we're like, hey, so we're, you know, we're officially moving this summer, man. Where, where do you guys, uh, where are you guys at? And he's like, well, we're, in, we're in Palm Desert. Where are you guys moving to? I said, we're going to live in La Quinta. He goes, dude, it's 10 minutes down the road. Not even. I'm like, really? So we, we had some friends, which was nice. Yeah. But even with that being said, much to your point about friends that they, they weren't at the same point in life. Right. You know, they didn't have kids. You guys did. They were living in the city. You guys were We were very separate from our group of friends in terms of what our lifestyle was, what our responsibilities were. You know, we were teachers. And most of them were bartenders or they worked at uh, wait staff and they yeah. played in, you know, uh, a heavy metal punk rock band in the evening and that sort of stuff. And so it was like, our lifestyles and just the time of day that we did things varied yeah. drastically. Yeah. Their day started at noon and ours started at five. And, you know, we, being just the two of us, we had a, a lot, a fair amount of disposable income as two teachers and we worked part-time jobs and stuff. So, I mean, we traveled, we went to the coast a lot. <clears throat> we did a lot of trying to convince family and friends to move out there with us, house hunting for her parents, <laughs> talking to her sisters, come stay with us, you know, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. We for... did that too. We were trying to convince some of our friends, we're like, Virginia's great. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, not enjoying ourselves at all. But I mean, we didn't, we really didn't have anybody. And even, I think when you live in a major city like that too, you could be 30 miles away from your friends, but you're actually an hour and a half away. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's a whole, yeah. yeah. And it's a, total pain in the ass. I had one friend who was actually in Maryland and she was like, it was close to two hours sometimes yeah. to get to her house. So I would see her like every other month or so. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> okay, it's, it's gonna, a lot. DC is a nightmare. The, the traffic oh, yeah. down there. That's, you know, I, I was down in, in Quantico, um, years ago for training with the Marine Corps. And I just remember that like, it was just, I'm like, God, this is it's it was almost as bad as when we moved out and we if we hit LA at the wrong time if we were yeah. going out to the coast yeah that was equally when nice. I lived so before we had kids before we moved back the second time we lived in the district and but both Kyle and I worked in Arlington we lived eight miles from where we worked and it took us on a good day 45 minutes to get there yeah 
And that's driving. I mean, we would take the public transportation, too, which the metro in D.C. sucks. I mean, it's like, I think there's a website, like, is the metro on fire today? Because <laughs> the metro would be on fire. Like, you'd be stuck underground. Part yeah. of it would be on fire. It was, like, dangerous to be in there. <laughs> um, so we drove, but, yeah, that was on a good day. Yeah. Other days would be, like, an hour and a half. And you're sitting in trap. Like, I will drive an hour and a half. That's fine. You guys live 45 minutes away from us. That's not a big deal to me. I'm not sitting in traffic yeah. for 45 minutes. It's There's a different totally feeling. Different. Absolutely, yeah. 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 But all of the, everywhere that I've lived, I would say, has taught me more about where I actually want to end up. Where you want to be. That's yeah. awesome. So I moved, I grew up outside of Tampa, moved to Tallahassee for college, lived there for a while. It's just a college town. I knew I didn't want to live there, but um, I knew that's one of the first places, like, I mean, that's the first place that I chose myself to live, right? Like, my parents chose sure. I was going to grow up in Tampa. So I chose to go to Tallahassee. And I chose to go there for specific reasons for, like, I wanted to be away from my family, but I wanted to stay in Florida, and I wanted to be around friends. And But then I realized there weren't any opportunities there. So it's like, okay, well, I want to live around friends, but I want opportunities. And then I moved to D.C. because there were lots of opportunities. And I had lots of friends there. Mm. And it was totally fine for a couple of years. Actually, it was really fun. It's fun to live in D.C. when you're, like, 22. Sure. And you're just renting. Actually, I lived in a sunroom at first because that was all I could afford. And I didn't have a closet. And when I first moved in, it didn't have any doors on the sunroom. I walked in to, like, the day I was moving in. I'm like, are you kidding me? I don't have any doors. So I called them. They're like, oh, you have to rent the doors. So I had to rent the doors for an extra $75 a month. So wow. I agreed. <laughs> Would you like a toilet, too? Yeah. So, so I, I agree. I'm like, obviously, I want doors. So I went ahead and signed the agreement for the $75 a month for the doors. And they installed them. And I remember on my way home from work, I'm like, I got doors today. They're glass doors. <laughs> it's like, what? What the hell? So I went to so Home Depot and bought like the, the like winter frosting and just like frosted. So you yeah. can still see like my outline in my room. Um, but that was, I mean, when you're like 22, it's not a big deal. I yeah. just kind of like shoved my stuff in boxes under my bed and just kind of lived that way. And you go out to happy hour all the time and whatever. But then when you start to have kids, like you can't live in that environment anymore. You just can't. Yeah, I, I mean, you you can, but there's... It's also really cost prohibitive to do so. Exactly. There's things that you trade off, right? Right. And, and that's, yeah. I mean, I know you and I have had this discussion about the girls' schooling. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. right now our girls go to Montessori here in Webster, and we love it. We love the program. We love the teachers. But And Melissa brought up at one point when we were talking about, well, what about, what's the next step? What happens yeah. when they're old enough to go to public school? Are, do we want to transition them? Because Montessori ends at what sixth grade? Sixth yeah. grade, yeah. Sixth grade, yeah. And so we, we looked at that and we said, well, okay, at sixth grade for them to transition to a new school, going into seventh grade and in a new school with kids they don't know, at arguably the worst time to be a, a little lady in yeah. your life, you know, you're going you're going through all the madness that, that is puberty, right? And you go into a new learning system with new kids, it's yep. completely unfamiliar, that could be just not a real positive shift for them. At the same time, we had to have a real conversation around like, you know, can we afford to send them to uh, continue in a, in a private school setting, one that we would like to see them go to and we could transition them to, what else could we use that money for? Mm-hmm. You know, even if we can afford it, is that the smart decision? Should we travel with the girls? 
Should we get you know get them some more worldly experiences? Because you could do if we don't have both options financially on the table, and you have to choose one, you got to weigh those. So the yeah. opportunities that you guys had in DC for you know for earning potential and for your career, what's the cost to your family? What's the cost to you your own sanity? You know, and, and right. your happiness in order to do that. And I think a lot of times people they don't look at both sides of that equation. Like, well, I got to do this because this is the promotion. This yeah. is the raise, and I'll just go be miserable and yeah. not ever take mm-hmm. a step back and reflect and say, was this really worth it? Is there a problem that we can solve? Which you guys obviously did. You found a, a solution yeah. um, while you were down there. Yeah, and so I, my son, who's now a little over three, was 13 months old when I quit working. And the, the easy decision, the easy part of it, was that he was in a new daycare, so not quite like transitioning from sixth grade to seventh grade in a new school environment, but he was still, you know, at a point where he, you know, was recognizing people and whatnot. So he was 11 months old and we moved down to Virginia and he transitioned to a new daycare and screamed every time I dropped him off, every time I would get him, he was like, so ready to go home, just did not want to be there. He didn't sleep while he was there. I would ask the the workers and it was a nice center. It also was very expensive. Mm-hmm. And I would say, oh, how was his day? And they're like, well, it was good. Okay, did he do anything specific? <laughs> any any way like, you can elaborate on that? Did right. he play with blocks? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I get that he's only a year old, but what did he do? Like, I wanted to know information. He So he hated it. I didn't feel comfortable with it. So that was the easy part of it. Mm. I think the hard part of it, and I think this is something that a lot of people struggle with, is that you, at least a lot of the moms that I talk to, I think a lot of people get satisfaction out of their work and they find meaning yeah. in their work but I had to look at where I was finding the most meaning in my life and it was not at my job I was doing really well mm-hmm. I was 27 I think when I quit and I had, my salary had increased by like two and a half times since the time I was there I was doing really well yeah and we just had we had to look at that and like is that worth it like I'm sending him somewhere I'm paying somebody else to watch my kids all day, and it's not even, it's totally different than something like a Montessori school, because they're actually, like, teaching them mm-hmm. <laughs> things there. Um, but I'm paying somebody who, like, doesn't even, clearly doesn't want to be there. My son doesn't want to be there. It's really expensive. And I'm going to work, and I'm essentially a cog in the machine over here. I'm not contributing to, like, you know, some mass project that's increasing societal well-being and a grand scale or anything. I mean, I was working on, yeah, a few people's lives were changed by the work sure. I did. But... Nothing crazy, right? And so when I was looking at what's the most meaningful thing that I can do with my life, like I can stay home with my kids, yeah. And not just, and I don't even think that accurately describes what I do. I don't just stay home with my kids. No, no, right? not like, at all. No. Like, yeah, but I think that's that's the biggest issue with why moms don't want to do this is because right. society looks down upon you staying home with your kids, right? Yeah, I think some people do. Certain people in certain. If you were to be able, if there was any way to figure out numerically who looks down on that, it's probably a, a slight majority, I would imagine, depending on who you talk to. But there's a there's a lot of people that at I think, least conversationally recognize. I the think value if you have kids, it. you get it. Like yeah. staying home with your kids is a full time job, right? Right. Well, but yeah. if you don't have kids and you're like, you know. What did you do all day? And why is your house a mess? And why didn't why don't you have dinner cooked for your husband <laughs> yeah, when he gets yeah. home? You know, like exactly. <laughs> well, I and have... I think it's also what, and I know I know you and Kyle are on board with 
this sort of thought process as Melissa and I are. It's you put a lot of value into your role into your role as a parent, and then it, it is a lot of work. And I've said it, I believe, on this podcast before, but I've said it numerous times conversationally around people that in our culture right now, I feel as though people either catastrophize parenthood and it's it's this this daunting horrible thing that I, I don't even want to touch or it's this very casual like well you just you know have kids you'll figure it out right right super <laughs> passive and, and even the phrase like having kids like that also does not accurately describe what you do yeah like, oh chad melissa they've got kids like does that describe like what you know got, like, we've got a, like we've got a, a KitchenAid mixer. Yeah, right. <laughs> I have one of those too. Exactly. You know. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's 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 not a passive role, and it's also not the end of your life as you know it. Like, right. I mean, in, in some ways it is because it's a it's an evolution and it's growth. But I know that yeah. you and Kyle, and especially with the choice that, that you've made to be an active parent at home the whole time, that is a full time job. With a lot of consideration, it is not a passive thing. Yeah. And you take that burden of responsibility that's welcomed by good parents. You take that on and it's important. And you understand that I'm creating a person. Mm-hmm. So all the people that I look around at and I might have judgment for or I dislike the way they conduct themselves, someone contributed that human being to, to yeah. this planet. <laughs> right? Some A bunch mm-hmm. of someone's likely. Yeah. Right? But what can I do? as a parent, to hopefully level the playing field a little bit, bring another person into the, into the world as an adult, as a young adult that is a good person, generally speaking, you know, yeah. and I think that's, that's what I know. I know that's what Melissa does. I know it's what you do as, as a mother as well. And it's really valuable. It's super important. Yeah. I know? think there's a couple of things like when we're talking about people looking down on stay at home moms, I see that more among women than I do among men. And do you think it's because they feel guilty that they haven't chosen to do that? I think that could be a part of it. I also think that, I don't want to say that we've been like brainwashed, but I know as a young professional, I felt like my success as a person depended upon my success as a professional. Mm -hmm. Mm. Like graduated high school, I go to college, I do well, I get a job, I get married, like these are signs of success. Like, I have gra- I've successfully convinced someone to marry me. Okay. <laughs> Success. Got it. I have successfully gotten a job, and I'm getting, you know, this is my salary, and I'm contributing in this way and this way. And I think, and, and there's also, like, there's a lot of work culture stuff that contributes to that, too. We don't have to go down this path. But, I mean, there are a lot of Silicon Valley companies that are offering as a benefit, like, well, we'll pay for you to freeze your eggs so you can work here for... 15 years and then she used to have kids in your 40s and that's like i don't even want to gloss over that statement (laughs) that's such an like just Mm -hmm. put that on paper hello miss smith welcome to the company we would like you to freeze a bunch of your embryos so that at a later point maybe when you're 55 and we're done building this up and you're a millionaire then you can start having babies does that sound logical to you yeah (laughs) to take your best years i mean like not not your best years but like the years where you're most energetic and you're you're gonna be able, you're gonna get in there. You're mm-hmm. gonna be a go getter. The company's gonna take those years from you, and then later, then you can yeah. you can be fifty five. Now your child children. is paying the price. Right. Your your child yeah. is sacrificing you as an energized and ready parent yeah. 
so that the well, company can high, benefit from that, it. What is like 34, 35, a high risk, like mature old yep. pregnancy or something now? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's so and, and I want to make sure it's not even a I don't want this to turn into or anyone that's listening to, to think of this from the perspective of if you've chosen a professional path and not to be a parent, that that's a bad thing. It's not. No. The the important part, and you touched on it, is you took a moment and sat back and thought about that. You're like, I, yeah. I can choose either. Right. I can keep going to work and keep sending my kid to daycare and we can, you know, we figure out these problems. You and Kyle are a great team. You will figure out, you will problem solve the challenges that will inevitably come <laughs> in your life. But you took that moment to assess both options. Right. And I think a lot of times, not just with parenthood and, and professional endeavors, but just generally speaking, people paint this picture. They tell their story of being trapped. Well, I have to go to work. Yeah. Do you? And I know we just said this on our chat with uh, Dr. Mike and Dr. Sarah, but you know, I would reference to Melissa all the time. Like, we don't have to do anything. Yeah. It, when the when the gym was when we were like fed up with with our business or something, like we just lock the door and never fucking go back. There's True. a consequence to that action, right, yeah. right? There's something to be considered and weighed out. You don't have to go to work. You also don't have to have kids or have to stay home. But I would argue that you do have to look at what your options are, bring some awareness to it, and really consider what is, what's serving you the best. Is it, do you need to feed your professional drive? Or do you feel like it's more valuable to, to sacrifice that and be a parent and have that be your primary yeah. role or purpose. And I think that's the conversation that people on one end of the spectrum are having. So you've got this kind of what we refer to in my house as the professional managerial class. So they're not like upper class. There's not a huge middle class anymore. There's kind of this professional managerial class and you've got people who are really struggling. So the professional managerial class, is, I think the people who are making that decision, it's like, should I freeze my eggs and continue to work for 15 years and then have kids later? Like, am I going to spend all these years at work and just forego? Do you think it's out of now? fear of dropping way down to that struggling level of it, income or it could be, yeah. I think. Um, but then, but, but what I was going to say too, is that there are the people who they have to make the decision to go to work because I mean, wages have not risen substantially and the cost of living has, and it's just really difficult. Yeah. For people to do that right now. Like it used to be pretty easy to make that decision. You used to be able to say, ah, we got to cut back a little bit here and right. here and that's mm -hmm. it. And you're done. Now it's like, if I leave my job for some people, for a large yeah. number of people, if I leave my job and I rely completely on my spouse for income, we have to sell our house and move into an apartment or yeah. we have to, it's like, there's major, you have to make major significant changes. Yeah. To your it's life. not, we have to not go out to right. dinner every Saturday. Yeah. It's, you know, it, they're major. You're right. And that that's a, it's a really, it's an interesting point. And, and again, good to touch on because as I say, we do all have choice. I also recognize that some of us are in predicaments where those choices are very limited and the consequences may be far more drastic for some of us than, than yeah. others. You know, I just like to point out that a lot of times the consequences that someone who's maybe not in that struggling position, the consequences that they'll lay out are really just kind of made up right. in their own mind. They're yeah. not mm -hmm. as detrimental. I couldn't possibly do this. When do I have time? You have the same 24-hour right. units in your day that every single person on this planet does. So you can 
either find a way because this thing is important to integrate it into your day or not. But mm-hmm. let's not keep making excuses around those things. And I, I like to bring some recognition to that. But it is, I think it's important to point out that some people's choices are far more limited than others. Yeah. And the consequences are far more drastic and dire than others. Yeah. There's also, I think, a dip, like you can mix and match the way you want your life to be run, too. I mean, we don't have to just talk about one person quitting their job sure. and staying home with their kids. You can both work part-time you could if you happen to have family around I mean this is as somebody who moved away from their hometown I always talk about this and I I wish that I grew up here and all my family was here and then all of my husband's family was here and then because then you have so many more options right like I just I wish you're preaching the choir (laughs) and and I think I I wish my parents hadn't told me to move away I mean I did say at the beginning of this that every place that I have lived has taught me something and I'm glad that I lived there but I sort of wish that I stayed there and then, you know, then I wouldn't have met Kyle, but maybe, you know, in a different world, maybe he was also from there and then we had had family and then we wouldn't have to make such a tough decision. But a lot of people are, they move away from home. They go to college somewhere. They move to an expensive city because that's where all the the opportunities are. I was just going to say they move there for work when they're young and then they set, a lot of people set roots down. Yeah. And now they're like, well, we've lived, we've lived in Chicago for the last seven years, but my family's all in North Carolina. And we want to start having kids. Yeah. And it, it, you're, like I said, you're preaching to the choir. We're lucky enough that my sister moved up here, you know, a little over a month ago. And just that one, th- having one family member that's in the in the city, especially now during the uh, the pandemic and yeah. everything being shut down, we don't have babysitters for the girls. We can't go do anything. They're either, There's when, not even anything to do. When, well, you know, <laughs> but even just to have a respite and right. like to take yeah. a breath. And now, now that they're back in school, we do. But you know, it has been amazing having my sister around even if it's just for you know the saturday we're gonna go do something we're like can you just hang with the girls for dinner she's like yeah yeah like oh my god and we look at friends you know you know you, you guys know meg and, and zach switzer we'll talk to them like you guys that don't ever leave here you have I both know. your families they're both ready and willing to help and and i think they do a nice job of not taking advantage of that you know there's definitely some people that will just they just kind of dump their kids on their right. in-laws yeah. or on their parents or whatever for you know 50 hours a week of babysitting like i don't really want to do that when i'm 70 yeah. <laughs> and sitting around but I, there's definitely a balance to be had but holy shit is that so helpful to have that in your life as a parent and it's and i think a lot of people unwittingly put themselves in a position to not have that because of what you just described they it's move helpful. for opportunity and it's helpful for you as a parent, but it's helpful for your kids too to build those relationships yeah. with other family members and other. You know, and you need to have parents. a break from each other, right? Yes. <laughs> we all do. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so we we are lucky in that uh, Kyle's parents are around, and um, my kids see them once a week. So Kyle's dad comes over during the day for like two hours one day, but you know Kyle's working, but it gives me a little bit of a break and that's nice. And, but then the kids look for, I mean, they like wait out the window, they know when he's coming, they love it. So it, it is mutually beneficial of course for, for them, for me. And and of course for the the grandparent as well. So, um, but as it should be. Yeah. And I wish we had more of those opportunities and more people did, but I was, and this was the experience in Virginia too. I mean, we had like two date nights in 10 months and we had to pay some of the babysitters in the DC area. Like, 
incredibly expensive. We sat in traffic for an hour and a half to get to an expensive restaurant. I mean, this date night was like five hundred dollars by the end of it, right? Oh, it was yeah. Like... oh yeah, we, and not so, even in, being in DC, it can still get like that just here. Yeah. But, like, but yeah, yeah, even more so there. And then you get there and you're like, I mean, now it's mandatory fun, right? Like this better be fucking good because <laughs> yeah. we just drove Enjoy here, we spent minute. all this money. Yeah. If the food's not good, you start crying. You're like, what the fuck? I know. I know. Like it's. It puts a tremendous amount of pressure on those on those moments when you've you've kind of backed yourself into this corner where the only way we can get time away is to purchase it, right. and and even then it's like you're purchasing it and you're leaving your kids with maybe someone who's not they're not like a stranger but they're not family. It's not yeah, a nobody love loves person, your kids the right? way that your family you know, does. Yeah. and you could cultivate that. You know, our our friend our friends Tommy and and Lisa they have. A nanny who's been with Leo, I mean, I think for almost as long as he's been around, and so she does love it. I mean, she loves yeah. it. She take, but it's a very different scenario. She's there all day, and mm-hmm. she spends a lot of time. She's almost like another family member for him. Yeah. And even that had to be cultivated. It wasn't that way at first. Right. But for most parents that don't maybe don't have that option to have that sort of service, you're just hiring, you know. Right. Some random person that you've hopefully screened and met and everything, mm-hmm. but outside of that, now you're out. Something's in the back of your mind, and you're like, "Oh man, I hope the kids are doing okay," sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's it it's a weird thing. You're you're buying this time for yourself, and even that time for yourself is not necessarily always enjoyable because yeah. the cost financially yeah. and the cost in terms of your um your kind of anxiety around whether or not the the kiddos are doing well. And that's why I always come back to what is the most meaningful thing that you could be doing and what are what are the decisions that you would have to make. I understand that you can't always do the most meaningful thing. You do have to make decisions to do things that you don't want to do. Like, I know when Kyle goes to work, he's not saying this is the most meaningful thing I could be doing for eight hours. <laughs> but he's got to do it yeah. so that that can free up my time so that I can do something really meaningful. So, like, you do have to make those sacrifices well, and in that way, it is meaningful. You're right, yeah. making an active decision yeah, that's to, to to do this thing in order to allow yourself yeah. and your family to, to participate in the other things that are really important. It is, it's the price of admission for yeah. the life that you want, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. it doesn't mean that it's always pleasant and it's always the thing you want to do, but I want to do this thing so I can have and do all this other th- these other things that are important to me. So when, uh, going back to kind of, that awareness and making that decision what walk us through kind of your thought process and what you weighed in terms of the options when you looked at leaving the professional world and transitioning back or transitioning to being a full-time mother that ultimately brought you back up here what when you looked at those things and you weighed those options what was going through your mind what were the things that won out over one another so, what were the things that weighed out for me to ultimately make the decision to stay yeah, home? Yeah. Okay. How'd you get there? Yeah. So, it was, a part of it was a little bit easy because I was working for an organization that I'd been working for for five or six years. Mm-hmm. And when I first started there, they had a mission that was, or, a, you know, a vision for the organization that I was completely in line with and I was really excited about. And the work that I was doing, I really felt like I was contributing to this cause, this thing that they were doing. And then over those five or six years, they expanded the vision and it just kind of expanded what they were doing to encompass way more things that I wasn't excited about. And then if you weren't excited about 
you know, X, Y, or Z, even though the, the original vision was A, you have to also be excited about X, Y, and Z, or, yeah. you know, you're not fully on board. Anyway, so I was doing a lot of projects that I just started to not be really into, and I had a lot of responsibility. There was, towards the end, I was managing this grant that was $25 million to a, a really large organization, and the work they were doing was cool, but it wasn't... I just wasn't really that excited about it. So I started to get these ideas kind of towards the end, even before I made the decision to to quit and stay home with my kids. Well, at the time, kid. But uh, I had kind of decided that maybe I didn't want to want to be there anymore. So that part was just easy. Just there in general. Yeah, just there in general. Yeah. So that part was easy. And then I happened to stumble across, and this is when I was still in Rochester, so it was before we moved back and before I quit. So probably... Eight months before I quit my job, I, I stumbled upon this this job opening that was with the federal government, and I never really thought that I wanted to work for the federal government. But when you're talking about like economic security and like job security and it's all that, I mean, it's like bet. a pretty good, yeah. <laughs> pretty good gig. Yeah. So I, I I found this job and I thought that ah, it was kind of a long shot. I had a friend who who worked there could maybe put something in for me, and um, it I'm not sure if it was just this particular job, but it. Applying for a job with the federal government like takes a really long time. Yes, it does. <laughs> so, um, so I until I, they're ready, and then right. you better move it. Yeah. So, so I put in this application, and and it would have been kind of this dream job. And two months goes by, and I didn't hear anything, and I just kind of thought nothing was going to happen. Then I got this letter in the mail, and it was like I had to do this thing online, and then they were going to maybe call me back. It's just this long, drawn out process. But I got so far into it that when we were in D.C., I had actually quit my job because I was like, you know what? I've already decided I don't want to be at this organization. My son hates his uh, daycare. Yeah. It's really expensive. I think I would like to give this a try because I have this feeling that this is going to be, you know, one of the most meaningful things that I can do. So and, I, I want to, like, recognize that. So you weren't even, like, 100% sure, like, I need to be a mom. You yeah, just, I was You just kind of had a, a feeling that this might be worth exploring. Yeah. And I didn't like the organization that I was at, so yeah. I, I just quit. It was like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and quit and just kind of see. And so I went to, anyways, there were several steps in this process with this job. So then in person, it was this kind of this group setting type interview. So I did that and went, and they're like, all right, we're going to schedule these in-person interviews. And like two months goes by, and I don't hear anything. And then like the time didn't work, so then I had to schedule it again. So anyways, I've been a stay-at-home mom for like five months now, and I get this this call for this individual interview and I go ahead and do it because I'm like you know maybe this could be it like I still had that doubt and then the moment for me was actually I had three interviewers in that in that interview a terrifying interview with these three people and I asked one of them who had been with the organization for 40 years or mm-hmm. this older guy and I said so are, are you can I ask you a question are you a parent and he said yeah I've got I don't know two or three kids I can't remember I'm like so were you working here when your kids were little? And he said, yeah, I was. And I said, what, can you tell me a little bit about what that was like? Because I was expecting my second at the time. And I said, you know, I've got one small kid and I'm expecting another. And so I'm just curious to know what your experience is. He's like, I'm going to be honest. Several, several nights I wasn't home when they went to bed. I left before they woke up. I didn't see them. I would have, I would have to travel for work. I wouldn't be at home for a week at a time, maybe two weeks, maybe a month. It was like, oh, well, am I willing to do that? Like, yeah. is that more meaningful? Even though this was a really cool job and I would have done fine financially and had a lot of job security, 
but then you don't see your kids. Yeah. And I think that that's also an extreme version too. To so maybe it was an easy decision, like oh, there's a chance that you don't see your kids for a month. Okay, I think a lot of people would be like, I'm gonna pass this job. But I think a lot of people but deal with what that. What a lot on of people have even asked that question. That's the, what know. immediately yeah. jumped into my mind. Yeah. The, the, the the awareness for you to say, I'm starting to feel like this thing I have going on at home yeah. is very important to me. I'm gonna ask and make sure that I protect that and not just be blinded by, this is a cool job, what a great opportunity, like I'd love to do it. Yeah. A lot of people I feel like would not even ask that question. And then they'd be in it and someone say, hey, you gotta travel next month. And you're like, what? I gotta, yeah. What? I gotta not see my kid for a month? I didn't even think about that when I signed on for this job because they never even asked the question. Right. right. So I think that 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 step in and of itself was indicative of you just being aware of what you were looking for, which is meaning and purpose and what you do. Yeah, and I think a lot of people deal with that though on a sliding scale because they might work until seven or six or you know, maybe they don't travel for work, but they might have to work overtime on mm -hmm. weekends. And so it just looks different for different people, but I think we all deal with it. Yeah. To a certain extent you have to, but yeah, um, I was not willing to do that and they did call me a couple weeks later and wanted to move forward with the next step. I had one more step and then would have gotten an offer and I just said, I. I I was sort of interested in just doing the next step just to see if I got the offer. And then, like, yeah. I'm I'm not going to even do that. I'm not going to waste their time because I, I know in my heart that I'm going to say no. Yeah. I'm not going to actually do that job. There's no way I can commit to that. And the job has to be done in the D.C. area, too. And I knew that we had been in Virginia for, like, five months or so at that point. It was like, we don't have any friends or family here. If I commit to this job also, then I'm We're committing here. my family to here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't yeah. really want to do that. Yeah. I mean, and again, though, I, I want to point out for anyone listening that like it takes a lot of courage to recognize that you've already gone through all and, and trust me I understand the the how daunting it can be applying for any sort of federal work right yeah. and how long that pro it can just feel like a lifetime has gone by and then all of a sudden hey we'd like to bring you in you're like I didn't even know this was still a thing yeah on. yeah months you know? months goes by. sometimes yeah. sometimes years you know, depending on what you're, what kind of work you're trying to do. So you've already put in all this effort and all this time. And how many people would just say, well, I've already done all this effort. I right. have to. I, and now I feel this sense of obligation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even if it's not something I'm necessarily all in about to just follow through because I owe them this or I said I would. Yeah. Uh, and so I think there's a lot of, uh, there needs to be a lot of credit given for to you for making, thinking about it that way and making that choice and saying, I could move forward to this. I have the choice to either say yes or no, and I'm choosing no because I know it's what I what's best for me. Yeah. I, I, I should also point out, too, that in that time, I so we moved to Virginia, and uh, I quit my job two months later. I found out I was pregnant two weeks after that, and then three weeks after that, my brother died. And I, when my brother died was right in the middle of the process of having those individual interviews with okay. that job. And to I, so I can't forget that that was a part of the of my decision too, where yeah. I went down to Florida. I was there for a couple weeks with my family after that happened, and that, there's nothing quite like having your sibling or I mean you know I haven't had a parent die, but nothing quite like having your sibling who is not that much older than you die for you to really start thinking about what you want to do with your life. He, my brother was. 29 years old. Mm -hmm. So I am now older than how old he was when he died. And he left behind a nine-year-old son. 
And he's never going to get those years back with his son, and his son is never going to get those years back either. So I think that was also a contributing factor too. That how could it I, not be? Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. So no, looking at you know what my nephew's life was going to be like now, he doesn't have the option of having this parent in his life. Yeah. My kids have that option, and so what am I going to do to make sure that I am there for them, and that they can take full advantage of me being around here for them? So that was a huge contributing factor as well. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I would imagine so. I mean, it it, it, it codifies the value of yeah. per close interpersonal human relationships. It just it reminds you that that one, they're fragile, mm-hmm. and they can they can go in a minute, in an instant, they could be gone unexpectedly, and you get to start to make those choices. And especially when we look at it, the thought, just kind of dawned on me when you look at kind of the evolution of parenthood and your kids are young, you have all this time, potentially, when they're young. Mm-hmm. And as they get older, the amount of time that, one, they want to spend with you. <laughs> right, and yeah. that you yeah. are able to spend they with them. They also, like, sleep until, like, one. Yeah. It's going to reduce. <laughs> yeah. There's going to yeah. be natural fluctuations in what that looks like. And so why not, why not find a way yeah. to capitalize as much of that time when you can? And that way, as they get older, you don't, you, you can hopefully avoid that feeling that I think some parents carry of resentment of like, oh, my kid doesn't ever want to be around me. And part of that might be you were never around them yeah. when they were little, other than for bedtime and, you know, maybe waving as you leave out the door in the morning and, and that's it. And again, not to disparage someone that that's the life that they've chosen or the life that they feel they have to, mm-hmm. to live to be able to take care of their family because there's a lot of factors to consider. But I, I do think that you're you will eventually get past that point where your kids need you that much and then it starts to become more of a they want to spend time with you or not and you'll have some more freedom you're a smart young woman like if you decide that you want to enter back into the workforce at some point as your kids are older you'll have that option yeah it'll be there just like you had the option to decide to to exit you know and but you know your point about people who have made the decision to to work, and I know a lot of people have to do that. I think if, if they can take anything away from this, is that the time that they do spend with their kids should be really meaningful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you shouldn't be, so we were, we were kind of struggling with this at home where, you know, Kyle works all day and he's just burnt out. So when he comes downstairs and the kids immediately want to play, it's just hard for him to get the energy. So what we realized recently is like, hey, you don't have a commute. <laughs> so like you don't actually have any time where you're just, Listening to a podcast, or yeah, you're just by yourself. Like, why don't you just stay in your office for like 30 minutes or an hour, and you come down when you're ready, like at least by five or something. He gets done with work at four because he goes to work. He goes upstairs early, doesn't really take a lunch break. So now, once he started doing that, I mean, it's like night and day. With the the kids don't whine as much because he comes down and he's not not on his phone as much. He's not like he is fully there with our family, not somebody else's family not reading about something going on on the other side of the world or, or whatever and that's just made all the difference so you know even if you are working and and you can't you don't have that choice to stay home when you get home like be home be home mm-hmm. be home with your family I there was this this quote I read I don't know several years ago where there was this dad and he was like my day begins at 5 p.m. like that's when I get home I love that. that's when I spend the time with my family even if your kids go to bed at 730 make 
the best out of that two and a half hours. What are you gonna yeah. do? Teach your kids to read, go play outside, like yeah. you know, it, it doesn't anything. matter if you're tired. Doesn't matter if you're tired. Take two hours, fake it, yeah. and have fun and enjoy them. Because you're right, they they do want to hang out with you now. Yeah. You're, they you're actually everything. like you. Yeah. They you're actually everything really right now. like you. Yeah. yeah, you're their best friend. Yeah. <laughs> they wanna know what you think, they wanna ask you questions and um, that's actually been like one of the most fun things about staying home. It's like I thought I was gonna struggle with having adult like not having adult interaction sure. and not having stimulating conversations, whatever. Well, at, at first, okay, you don't really have stimulating conversations because your kid's like 12 months old, right? You know, so you don't. And actually, I think that's the hardest time to be a stay-at-home mom is when you've when got one little. kid and they don't really walk and they don't really talk and it's like, what, what do, mm. where do you take them? What do you do? Yeah. yeah. You can go push them around in a stroller. I think, we, I think what yeah, was helpful, but, at least for us, and again, we had this option, was like, they're just your... your Carry on, right? You just keep we going took, and yeah, doing things, and you bring, you bring them everywhere. Yeah. Because you're right, if you choose to just sit at home yeah. and be, miserable. be isolated there, and you're just you and your kid, like, one, it's yeah. probably not great for the kid long term, yeah. and two, certainly not great for your own sanity as the as the adult. And I think that was really valuable that, you know, with Dylan, and I know you guys did the same thing with Friedrich, like, just... Oh, yeah. Bring them everywhere. Let's you have to also, home. like, not be too worried about germs. I mean, we're in the age of COVID now, so, like, everybody's <laughs> terrified of it. But, like, Friedrich didn't walk till he was, like, almost 16 months old. He was, like, a lay walker. And was like, well, I'm not going to stay home, so I'm going to go to the library, and he's just going to crawl all over and probably yep. put stuff in his mouth. Mm-hmm. And he's he'll fine. be okay. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he'll be fine. And he'll be okay. Yeah, exactly. So, but now that he's over three, I mean, I have these, like, really interesting conversations with him all the time. And it's, I think they're actually more interesting than the ones that I had when I was working. Because when you're working, it's like, how was your weekend? Oh, we went and, you know, I worked on my house or whatever. Yeah. Those were the conversations I had. And now this morning, I mean, it's six in the morning and he comes downstairs and he asked me this question that I didn't, I didn't quite understand at first. Like I didn't, I didn't know why he was asking about these two different concepts, but he, he asked if something was dangerous or if it was fragile. It's like, hmm. So I would usually think, is it dangerous or is it safe? Yeah. And so I started kind of digging into that. I'm like, well, what do you mean by fragile? It's like, well, if I throw it, is it going to break? Like, well, uh, so, okay, give me an example of something. He's like, if I throw this book, then it'll, it'll probably break, but is it dangerous? Like, oh, I understand. So if there are people around... You could throw it, and yeah. it could be dangerous. Like yeah. you don't want to hit somebody. Okay, and it so, could be. I could be saying, "Don't break that when you throw it." Or something. right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he'd be like, "Well, can I, can I climb these bookshelves?" I'm like, well, that's an example of something being both dangerous and or, and consisting of fragility. Like there are fragile items on the shelf. On the yeah. shelf. Yeah. yeah. So it is both dangerous, and there are things that are fragile. And it was. It's funny because I. I mean. I've never had that conversation before. Like, how? When was the last time with an adult they were like, you really dove in to like these concepts, <laughs> the words, yeah. yeah, like the words? Or he'd ask like, you know, we had this deep conversation, and we ended up arriving at the conclusion that a cup is a drinking device, but you can also use it to hold other things. <laughs> and that was like I mean, a thirty-minute conversation. Yeah, there's been times where Dylan's asked us like, what does that word mean? And you're like, I don't. Look the don't... definition of thank you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, there's been a bunch of times yeah. that she, yeah, I'm just like these, so caught off these guard. real common things that you just say in passing to conversationally to people. And she's like, what does that mean? And I, I don't really, what does please mean? 
I don't, um, I've never thought about that. Let's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and why then, do we do this? Yeah. yeah. Uh, why do we shake hands? Why do we, yeah. it's like, oh, it's something that evolved over time to indicate friendliness or, I, I yeah. don't know. It's like, they ask all these things. And that's why, like, to earlier we made the point about, like, we don't just have kids or I'm not just staying home. Mm-hmm. I mean, some, because Kyle and I have talked about this a lot lately, too, because a lot of our friends that don't have kids, they're like, oh, you know, Kayla and Kyle have kids. Like, okay. We we have like there's way more there right so what what we kind of arrived at in in some longer conversations is like i get to spend the day awakening these capabilities of their human spirit yeah like yeah every well, and day. using and using the word get to instead yeah. of i have to stay home with my kids again today yeah right 100% i mean we've I mean, the the interview that we did with our buddy kurt was all about language and oh, cool. it's, you know, if you want to go down a real rabbit hole with someone on language, he's a great resource for that. Yeah. Uh, and, and we've been paying a lot more attention to it ourselves. And we actually mentioned it was something that personally I started on a very fundamental level probably about five or six years ago because I had to go out and start doing more presentations and stuff when I took the job at Warrior Salute. So I just needed to work on my speech in general. I tend to speak too quickly and, you know, it, so I, I, I use a lot of filler words, yeah. that sort a of stuff. A lot of people do. So I, I've made active strides in improving that. And a lot of times, you know, Melissa will bust my chops if I'm reading a book to the, the girls that I read slower than she does. And I put, but I'm trying to be intentional. And now lately we've brought a lot more attention to some of the words like I have to versus I get to. I have to feels heavy and yeah. burdensome I have, Daunting, yeah. I have to watch the kids all day mm-hmm. what is it what are you saying right there you're saying that you're you're being forced to stand and observe children all day that's not actually what you i mean hopefully that's not actually what you're doing as a yeah. parent hopefully you're actively engaged with them and trying to learn about what they're thinking and help them to understand the world around them and and even asking yourself some interesting questions that maybe you haven't thought about in a long time it's an active thing that you're doing and you get to do it you Mm -hmm. get to be a part of this little human being figuring out what's going on in the world around them and how to make connect dots and stuff and that can be really really exciting if you frame it in a certain way in your language and in the way you think about it versus it can be really really exhausting and look like just this daunting shitty part of your day if you if you frame it that way, if you put it in that sort of context in your own mind, you know, and I think a lot of people do like, Oh, it's one o'clock. The kids are in bed. Like all this <laughs> bullshit. Like, yeah. you know, we're, it, it's like, you should, especially with Dylan, I think for me, I, I struggled with this more when we had Aubrey, like when we just had Dylan, I fucking loved being a dad. I loved it. And it was something I was really nervous about for a long time in my life because I never had a positive male role model in my life as a father. You know, my my actual father was in and out of our lives when I was really young a lot. He was wildly physically abusive to my, my mother and to myself. He was a raging alcoholic. In comes my stepdad, also raging alcoholic, very emotionally abusive to to my mother and very distant and just not not a loving man um and and he wasn't physically abusive but it did come to blows uh one or two times between him and i and and so like that's what i knew as being a father 
you know, and then I, I met Melissa's dad and, and he was to me an exemplar of like, wow, this guy stuck around. He takes care of his girls. He genuinely cares about them, like all these sort of things. So I started to try and learn these lessons. And I remember as a parent, I was like, when we first had Dylan, I was so excited about it. I'm like, I actually feel like I'm doing okay at this and I like it. And then I would hear people complain about parenthood and about this role that they took on. And I, it just, it bothered me a lot when it's I It's like heard a it. fun thing that parents seem to like to do as a way to bond with other parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has just become normal. Which is fine, right? Because we do... Some of it, hard, yeah, of Like, shared hardship is important. Right, it, yeah. It, it is. I think you build connections and, It's like, important to admit that every day isn't great. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's all... And, and it's also important to admit that some days are great, even if they're silly, even if they're not things that are, like, and going on paper like real exciting. Catastrophizing you know? the whole day. Like, maybe there were some tantrums, but overall... It was a pretty good day. You were just with your kid for eight hours, and if we put it on on a graph, mm-hmm. the number of minutes they spent crying and screaming was three percent of your day. Yeah, the expectations just have to be totally shifted too. Like my expectations for being a stay-at-home mom had shifted basically immediately. It was like we're gonna do all these things. We're gonna go on this walk and go to the library, and I'm gonna get the groceries taken care of. I'm gonna meal prep. Well, for did everyone. you? It sounds like you we're did gonna... the same thing we did. That you you envision them as like a little adult that yes. will help you do yeah. all these things uh-huh. throughout your day, or like just follow gonna... suit, or they'll play nicely while you like meal prep. Right? <laughs> and that's Listen, not kids, what I have a plan. I'm gonna cook <laughs> for the next hour, You're so I need you to be quiet and just. just... Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Check. Yeah. We're doing it. You're just going to sit here and play for two hours so that I can do all of this stuff. And that's just not what happens. But, I mean, incorporating your children as much as possible, eventually they do become helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, Friedrich got up before us the other day, which is really unusual. And then he came upstairs and he told us to wake up. And we were like, how how long have you been up? And he's like, ah, I just woke up, but I went downstairs and I let the dogs out. And then they came back in. He's three years old. Yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, that's really helpful. Thanks, bud. Mm-hmm. Like, eventually they are, but you have to adjust your expectations at the beginning. If you're going to let them help you put the dishes away... Prepare to gonna... spend an hour and a half putting dishes yeah. away. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, it's going to take forever. And if you're going to if you're gonna let them walk at the grocery store, that's going to take forever. Mm-hmm. But they're going to really enjoy it. That's yeah. the other thing, too. If you think that you're going to go out on a two-mile hike, that's silly. Like, you're going to go for... A half a mile, maybe. And, yeah. and it's going to take you an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, you're going to look at every single rock and every single leaf. But, you know, what's what's been really fun about that, too, I think a lot of adults can learn from living that way, living more like a child. Yeah. Because there, it inspired me to learn about the trees on my property. We have about eight acres, and mm-hmm. I bought a book. And then, because Friedrich was asking me about it. I'm like, well, I don't know a maple tree, I think, or an oak or whatever. And so I bought this book, and I really did not invest very much time learning about it. It was like an hour, maybe, over the course of a week, like 10 minutes a day. Yeah. And now I can go in my backyard, and I can help him identify trees. And we can walk around, and we don't get very far, but he's super interested in it, and all the acorns and all the different kinds of leaves. And, well, this is an oak leaf, but I don't see an oak tree anywhere. The wind must have come from that way. Yeah. Like, you can talk about those kinds of things. Those are really interesting. It's not about walking mm-hmm. for two miles. Like, that's not what well, it's not about there. checking the box. Yeah, is what it is. Exactly. And, and there's there's subtleties in, in everything that you just talked about. Like, one, your son got to see you 
have a vested interest in something that he was interested in. Yeah. He got to see you learn, admit that you don't know something. I mean, that's a big thing as parents that, you know, that we've really tried to do is, is recognize when it's important and valuable for us to apologize oh, to absolutely. our daughter, yeah. to tell them that we don't know, to tell them that we're upset or scared or happy or they're learning all of those things at all times. So Mm -hmm. as a parent, you're contributing whether you intend to or not. Yeah. And the, the value lies or the importance lies in recognizing that and making sure that when you do contribute the vast majority of the time, it's intentional. Mm -hmm. And if it gets away from you and it's unintentional and maybe you're contributing to your kids' lives in a quote unquote negative way, bring that up and let them know I lost my temper. I do that. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that because you were just asking this, but you know, daddy's feeling a little bit overwhelmed and and you guys have been a little crazy and I'm tired. So can you please, I I didn't mean to yell or whatever the conversation is, but just letting them see that you're human and that you're not infallible and it, and that they're, you're interested in them. I mean, that's all those little things. I'm sure you didn't think about that when you got the book necessarily in that level of detail, mm-hmm. but it's somewhere you understood inherently, this is what I'm doing. Right now I'm showing my son that I care about him, that I'm interested in learning with him, that I don't know everything, but I'm also willing to learn everything. And all these sort of yeah. these sort of underlying subtle lessons that aren't, yeah. tell me what color this is, right? Which is also right. valuable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, that's as, as they get, you start with, teaching them like very basic communication beginning right i mean every parent does this with like words and then you maybe move on to colors or shapes or numbers and then they they get to this point i don't know it's different for every kid but they get to this point where they just like explode and they have these questions all the dots start connecting and they're like yeah it's just the most and and now like you know and i'm sure dylan does this and aubrey probably is doing this now at this point but like they teach you things that they learned about somewhere Mm -hmm. else Right, and you're like, where did you learn that? I I don't understand. I like, I mean, trucks. I know so much about trucks now. <laughs> and like, you know, I will say like, oh look, Friedrich out the window. There's a bobcat, and he's like, that's a skid steer. The brand is a bobcat. I'm like, <laughs> okay, apologies. Get it right. <laughs> Thank Mom. you for the correction. I don't know, <laughs> but it's really fun to have them teach you too, yeah. and and you just continuously ask them questions. That's one of my favorite things to do is ask ask the kids questions to ask they come them, like, up with some really that. creative answers yeah. with a lot of things you're like and then you start to wonder how did they get there and then you start yeah. to ask them more questions you're like oh i see how your little mind's working yeah. how you're weaving right. this little thread of ideas through and it's it, i think that's a lot of fun i think they'll they'll do things really unexpected that you didn't necessarily believe or understand that they had such a grasp on these concepts. I mean, Aubrey the other night with our Would You Rather. Yeah. We've been playing Dylan wants to play yeah. Would You Rather at dinner. So it's, you know, would you rather eat ice cream or pizza or whatever. And like Aubrey's like and she's never said anything. Usually she's usually she she's just like, goes you go Santa. Aubrey Yeah, you go, Aubrey, it's your turn. And she goes, Ah, uh, I like Santa. I'm really into Santa these days. But the other night she's like, I have one and she's like, Would you rather live in a house or a cave? And like literally said it like that, and we're like, "What?" Well, she got it all of a sudden. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, she's been listening the whole time. The whole time. And I they, mean, even beyond that, I the thing that popped into my head was I, I can't remember how old um, 
Dylan was when we when we put Tanner down. Um, but she had to have been three and a half, four, three. Maybe I don't three. think she was three. I think she was. I think Aubrey was really little. I think I think she was close to three. Either way, uh, but we so we had to put our our dog down, and we get in the car, and you know we're we're upset, and Melissa's crying, and Dylan is is like, "Why are you crying, mommy?" And you know I turned around. And I said, "You know Tanner was our friend for a long time, and it's sad." And she goes. Oh, like when the when the sea lion was sad about the seagull, his friend not being around. So we read this. We were reading this book okay. all the time. The seagull, the sea lion's friend, and there's a part in there, and it was like, holy fuck, this like she's not even three, and she's making this connection. Like yeah, like when that when his friend mm-hmm. went away, and he was sad too. That he like yeah, exactly like that. Mm-hmm. It was like such a yeah. weird yeah. moment to see that to see her connect that idea that was not we weren't reading the book right then we weren't doing it it was you know she took this kind of abstract idea and made it make sense in her own mind and and to watch her do that it's really cool and i think you can miss a lot of those things if you're just checking the box if you're having to take care of the kids and you're just kind of grin and bear it and, and like get get this time with them done much to your point about when you're there be there mm-hmm. if you don't have the luxury to say i'm going to leave my job and stay at home uh, with the kids all the time when you're there be there and, and stop pulling yourself out of you know out of that life because you feel guilty for not being there or because you're maybe afraid like I'll be honest sometimes if I'm just out of the rhythm of doing something I'll I'll as it pertains to parenting I'll get like weirdly nervous or anxious about having to then do it mm-hmm. you know so Melissa's been running the morning routine with the girls and I had to do that this morning or I got to do that this morning mm-hmm. um, so I got to do that this morning and even though I'm I logically know I'm completely fine to take care of the girls in the morning there's something that, that will build up inside of me like oh man I haven't done this in a while like what are you doing what are you what are you gonna do how are we gonna manage this are you gonna get out on time and I'm like dude just just chill out Say hello to your girls. Like, let's have fun. Let's see what we're doing for breakfast. We had a wonderful morning. It was beautiful. It was, it was well, I think great. a lot. Of, I think I I get caught in that trap sometimes too, and a lot of people get caught in that trap. I think where you just you've got to get these things done. You're like, I'm gonna get these things done, and then I'm gonna be a parent. Like, then yeah. we're gonna play, or we're gonna. I, I just gotta make dinner, and I gotta put the dishes away. And, and they're not on that this schedule. And, <laughs> yeah, and then we'll play after that. Yeah. Like, no, like, but I'm ready to play right now. Right. Yeah. So, and I've had to really train my mind to be okay with not getting all the things done. Mm-hmm. Like you will not, you will die with a to-do list that is incomplete, yes. right? Like you are not going to die with like, oh, the house no... was clean, all yeah. the, everything was folded <laughs> and put away, and no, I can... everything was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're just, you're not going to. I was trying for a long time, I was trying to do like a load of laundry every day and wash, dry, and fold and like have that put away at the end of the day. It's like, why am I doing that? I hate laundry. I don't want to do it every day. I'll do it like two or three days a week and it's fine if we've got a full hamper Yeah. for a couple of those days. There is no fine. point of arrival with it's any of fine. this. fine. Yeah, yeah, nobody's like coming and inspecting my work. That's actually the interesting thing about being a stay-at-home mom too is that you don't have like somebody a governing body yeah, like looking at your work. you also don't really have anybody who tells you you don't have like a performance review nobody's like hey you're doing great you get a raise yeah you know nobody does that for you and I think that was a little bit hard for me at the beginning because I didn't feel like I was getting 
like the praise or I wasn't getting recognized and nobody see like you know people be like oh you're what do you do all day now yeah well especially if you because you were coming from a professional setting where you were very successful and that was recognized it was easily recognized it was easy for you to see oh they notice how good of a job I'm doing because I'm being given this project and this promotion and this raise and this like I'm people are coming to me with questions I'm looked up to it's very apparent I think you hit the nail on the head. A lot of parents, whether you're staying at home or not, question whether or not they're doing a good job. And to me, the answer is it's both. You're doing a great job and probably you can a probably shitty do better. job. Yeah. Right? You're doing you a little bit of better. Right? You can you're doing well, a great even, job and you can do better and you're gonna mess up and mm-hmm. you're gonna be successful. And it's, it's gonna like be all of those. Continuous things. learning cycle. Like oh, yeah. kid to kid, year yeah. to year. Like, I talk to moms all the time, and they're like, we just got on a sleep cycle. And I'm like, well, don't get used to that. <laughs> right. Like, Enjoy it. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> don't don't get anxious about it going away, but also understand yeah. it's going away. Yeah. It's both. Yeah, even, uh, my gosh, in the last, like, two or three weeks, now all of a sudden, Friedrich is waking up every single night and just, like, screaming. Oh, he's there. I remember that. Just yeah. like screaming, and dreams like, and stuff. I think. Yeah, and a yeah. couple times we'll, I'll go in there. Is he recognizing that he's having dreams yet? He or? told me that a crane truck was picking up his bed, so he's having okay. these like nightmare construction yeah. dreams. Oh, <laughs> 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 and that's the recurring like nightmare that keeps happening is his crane truck is picking up his bed. But he there are there are sometimes probably half the time where he's screaming and I know he's not even awake, like he's yeah. not even looking at me. And you just have to kind of slowly lay them back down and yeah. kind of, and then he just falls right back asleep. And then the other half of the time, he actually physically gets out of bed, leaves his room, and comes in my room. And I have to, with all of my willpower, take him back to his bed instead of just putting him. And to be clear, like, we do that. So we're like, just hop in, like, go to sleep, yeah. whatever. Yeah. I need to go to sleep. But last night was one of those nights where he can't, and he sleeps in such a way that it's just, and Kyle's like, no, nope, you're going our, back. Our girls are swimming the, the 100 freestyle every time, they're yeah. like the, or the butterfly stroke every time. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what are you doing yeah. at yeah. night? He's you just preparing may- you for kid number three. Right, yeah, I know. <laughs> it, I've had a conversation with him pretty much every night where I'm like, we, when we wake up at night, like, just remember that you're safe, everybody's sleeping, you're in your bed, everything is fine. That's so a big thing to point out, the down. safe part. Yeah, and I did that the other night where I just went in his room and he was screaming, and I... I don't know if it, he was having a nightmare or what it was, but I just probably talked to him for three or four minutes, just rubbed his back, just said the same things over and over again. You're safe. Everything's okay. Everybody's safe. Everybody's sleeping. Polly and Freya are downstairs, and they're sleeping, and they're safe. And mm-hmm. Victoria is sleeping, and she's safe. And just went through it. And then he just slowly dozed right back off. So I no, I don't know what it is, but I'm just trying different things. But we have to recognize, Kyle and I have had this conversation. It's like, we have to recognize that if we let him in the bed, we're going to get shitty sleep. So if we just pull ourselves out of bed and go physically put him back in there and take the five minutes to do so, Mm -hmm. but then you run into like... And to reassure him like you did. That's the other part. I mean, if he's seeking that safety and reassurance by proximity to you, if you can give that to him and recognize that you're creating downstream that's him being more confident in himself and not needing that external comfort be eventually becomes that it's again that's a lot to think about i'm sure in the middle of the night you're not like i'm gonna do this because then he'll be more i don't want him to keep getting to bed with me right in the middle of the night teaching him how to comfort himself too like the things that maybe he can walk through in his mind and 
We can think about, so we have this conversation almost every night before bed. We say like, when we wake up, you know, and just go through the whole thing again. And probably every other night now for a couple weeks, it's been happening. Yeah. So I just really hope it stops before the next kid comes up. Although I'll probably be up anyway, so (laughs) I could probably just go in there and help him. But no, I hope that that goes away before no, it's, I think it, you touched on a couple of things in, in there, right? One being that you're going to have these conversations over and over again. I mean, if we recorded every time we had a conversation with Dylan about staying in bed till her bug light comes on, I, we just, I mean, it's, it's daily. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely times where I'm like, why don't you do this? We talk about it every day and you still don't do it or you kind of do it. You can, you know, it's just part of it. It's part of the repetition of them understanding and feeling. I, I really love what I'm going to totally steal that, um, that reassurance piece and like talking about that you're safe and, and letting them know that sort of thing. If they're, you know, waking up in the middle of the night or, or first thing in the morning coming out and just, I need to see what's going on sort of thing. That's mm-hmm. oftentimes what they're looking for. I would imagine is just, is everyone still here? You know, Where's mom? Where's dad? Like, yeah, imagine. I mean, how many times do you wake up just disoriented? Like, where do I? Like, it's the middle of the night. Like, you know, often, kind of. I don't, I don't know what time it is. Sure. And he can't read time. I mean, Dylan can. Can she read time? I don't know when they learn time. Anything past like I don't know if she reads a digital clock. To be honest, anything past like three and a half, I don't know what they're supposed to know. So (laughs) I don't know when they learn that. I mean, she can read out the numbers on a digital clock, but I don't know if she understands what it means. I was gonna say conceptually, I'm not sure. Other than this is around the time we wake up in the morning and this is around the time that, yeah. you know, I get out of school or that, you know, I go to bed. Yeah. yeah. I think she gets it at, on like a loose kind of basis. Yeah. But they you know, their brains are developing and they, they don't understand so many of these things that we just take for granted, like time or what a cup is or the, is something dangerous is something fragile just you know things like that so having those continuous conversations I think when we forget that they're three years old or that they're four years old or five years old because we do that a lot with Friedrich especially because we've got Victoria who is 20 months old to compare him to so if he starts acting the way she does we're like stop it you are not a baby yeah okay he's not a baby but he's three yeah (laughs) Like we do. We, we have that conversation a lot. Yeah, we do, and, and we have to. We we try. I'm sure you and Kyle do the same. We try and remind one another when we're getting out of line with that. Like, remember, she's five. Right. Or remember, yeah. she's two and a half. Yeah. And and it's even. I think it's even. It's made even more difficult when, as a parent, you've taken the time to expose your kid to some independence and some freedom one of, that was one of the things that we loved about webster montessori is that their model is let's we want to create independence we want them to be able to self-care and do all these things and i know that you and kyle do a lot of the same stuff and her mom melissa's mom uh, has been really instrumental in helping us to like set the home up so that yeah. kids have access to things they can help because then they feel like a valuable part of the team a lot of times for us with dylan at this point in her development, when we're having a really hard time with her behaviorally or emotionally, if we can remind her that she's part of this team, she's part of Team Curtis, and that she can either help the team or hurt the team, mm-hmm. then that all of a sudden, later that day or the next morning, she's up 
like someone lit a fire under her ass. She's like, I'm doing chores. I'm cleaning my room. And I She's took like, the dogs notice, out. She's like, you notice I have my helping hat on today. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cute. The other day hey, she what? went outside and took her, she took down the Santa Claus thing and put it away in the garage for me. Yeah. And, you know. They, they, they do want to do help. those things at yeah. that age. And if you don't, you know, I don't have a kid that's older, so I don't know. But I have this hunch that if you don't capitalize on it now and you don't help them learn how yeah. to be contributing members, well, they're just never going to learn that. And then why, when they're 14, are they going to want to do all these chores? Mm-hmm. Correct. Because yeah. you've never you're, taught them to do You're that. 100%. I, there, there, there is no way that that's not a valid thought process because, it, to your point, you've you've cultivated in such a young age this just fundamental belief that, I'm valuable. I'm a valuable contributor to this thing. I have the ability to get my own snack. Yeah. I have the ability to get my own plate out. I have the ability to do to put my clothes away or pick out my outfit for the day. And you, you have all these things. It doesn't mean that instituting those sort of practices are always easy, much to our discussion around right. the like 90 minute put the dishes away yeah. thing. Yeah. And, and also changing your outfit 75 times a day there's going to be all these things that come along with it but as those as your kids grow and they become you know teenagers and young adults they're going to be more confident in their own ability and we've had this conversation with uh, i know you have specifically with clients a number of times where you know so i know i'm trying to get my kid to eat better and they're 12 well you taught them for the last 12 years that it doesn't fucking matter yeah so in the last two months you're going to be hard-pressed to have changed that whole foundation that you've built. It doesn't mean don't do it, but understand what you've invested up until this point is going to dictate how difficult it'll be to make some changes in this little person. it trickles down everywhere. I I have a mom right now, and we're working through, like, her not cleaning up after her kids. And her kids are older. They're, like, 12 and 15. Mm -hmm. And she, like, goes into their room and picks up stuff, and, like, now she's like, okay, you. you need to... Put your own laundry in the laundry room. Their minds are blown. Like, like, I've never no. done that in 15 years. Why is yeah. this all of a and sudden And here's what they could have done. Because when you're three and you have, well, hopefully, you know, you have a laundry chute or something similar. You could, a laundry chute is awesome to a three-year-old. And they will put your laundry down it. And they will put their sister's laundry down it. And it put is a bunch a of really clean cool. clothes you don't want yeah, down there. <laughs> yeah, you do have to, to tell, yeah, some no, toys, some toothbrushes, it, whatever. But if you can take advantage at that early age and make it just a, either a part of their routine or something fun. I mean, our kids get excited about laundry. They get excited about emptying the garbage. Like, yeah. things that, like... Dylan loves just, bringing yeah. the garbage cans out to the curb and back just because yeah. they're so much bigger than her and she feels like, I'm strong. I put you know, yeah. Let them do those things. I Gamify think, it. Make it fun. Make it visual. And I think we had, we as humans have this deep desire to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And that's Absolutely. where meaning and fulfillment comes in in our lives. And the, of course, kids at that age have that as well. They want to engage in meaningful and fulfilling work even when they're two. Yes. And yeah. of course, it has to be age appropriate for them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're talking for Aubrey, it might just be like putting the recycling in a certain spot in the house. And then for Dylan, it's actually taking the trash out. And then you can graduate yeah. up to different levels. Yeah. But they have that deep desire. And if you don't fill that desire, I think you're depriving them. Of something that you make soul and you make them feel worthless. Yeah, like you can contribute to them feeling worthless and inadequate. Like they can't do this thing. Right. We saw that being the the first in our friend group to have a kid. You know, I remember people being like, "Oh my god, Dylan puts dishes away at eighteen months." Like, well, yeah, because 
the dishwasher is right here and a foot and a half away there's a little drawer on the bottom where all her mm -hmm. plastic stuff goes so she can just put it in there yeah. and it's it's she's not we wouldn't just leave, leave everything closed up and say hey dylan go put I the dishes sure away I mean, and we sure get the knives and the, the glass knives out those are the right? first things yeah. i grab that's what yeah those are the things i grab too and they're like you know, kids are different too. I'm not, I, I still try every single day to get Friedrich to put away all of his toys. Victoria is so orderly and wants to put all the blocks back and she knows where everything goes and she wants to. And Friedrich can do it and we continue to work on it. But there are other things that he enjoys more. Like he loves to wash the windows. Mm -hmm. Like he just loves squirting it, wiping the yeah. windows down. He loves feeding the dogs. Like, there are very specific things that he really likes so, to do. So, I mean, do. so you look at their their personalities and you say, like, yeah. hey, Friedrich, if you go wash the, the windows for me or feed Polly, can I'll put your blocks away. How does that right. sound? And that's right? what we like, do. Now so that's, it's more you're, of a compromise teaching... instead of them just walking away and you, Doing schmuck it for mom them. in the corner, right. putting their blocks yeah. away. We're now a team. we've collaborated. We're do this we've together. worked together. Right. Yeah. We're a team. We're going to do this together. And now yeah. Victoria's going to do this thing. And then we're going to do this. And then when we're done, we can all have fun and we can play a game and we can do something as a family yeah. so yeah um yeah it comes back to that in, that awareness and that intention around what you're doing and just pausing for a moment and kind of recognizing is is my kid being defiant and refusing to put their stuff away yeah. or are they just ready for something else they're looking for some other sort of stimulation it's some, sometimes they just need to be made to put their stuff away and yeah. other times it can be just like, like you said hey please go do this thing for me and i'll help you out with this and we'll all work together and it can be both of those things and some of that's just it's intuition i guess and it's practice over time of recognizing yeah nobody can tell when you, you need to hit the pause exactly. button and say yeah. okay pick all your stuff up because you're getting crazy you're making a mess everywhere yeah. for no reason right um and i, th I think that's that's a skill set that you cannot just walk into so the parents that have not really been practicing that and are maybe listening and like well yeah I, should, I could try some of this stuff understand it's not gonna it's not a light switch it's your kid's not gonna be like oh great mom thank you i recognize that you're giving me the opportunity to be right. to yeah. contribute so now i'm going to always contribute and be helpful that's not the way it's gonna go it's something that you cultivate over time you cultivate it in yourself you cultivate the ability to recognize that in your kid and you cultivate it in your in your child's behavior and their thought processes and, and everything that goes along with that as well. Yeah, there's, um, I don't know if we want to go down this road depending on how much more time you guys want to spend, but there are a number of like homeschooling philosophies mm -hmm. around all the things that we're talking about. I mean, some people will choose to homeschool like in a Montessori way. They, you know, can do that and... Um, but I've got a friend who wants to homeschool her children. They're about the same age as mine. And she wants to follow like the unschooling method, which I think is cool. And I think you can take bits and pieces from lots of different education philosophies and use those. But the unschooling is more of like, I'm just going to follow my kid's lead entirely. Like if they don't want to read this book, we're just not going to read that book. If we they don't want to do this, then we're not going to do that. And it's like... <laughs> That's cool for some stuff. You should absolutely follow yeah. your kid's lead and you should engage with their interests and you should try to teach things around the things that they're interested, like Friedrich being interested in leaves. Well, that's a great way to learn about the physical world. You know, yeah. we can start talking about the trees and the leaves and what the, those roles are for the environment and whatever. But there's also, I think, books that all kids should read. And there are things that you should 
do. And I'm not even just talking about like a three-year-old, not like books yeah. that a three-year-old should read, but like, you know, when my kids get older, I absolutely want them to engage with classical literature. Like I want them to read the Iliad and the Odyssey when they're yeah. like in eighth grade because they're going to absolutely be capable of doing that. And I don't care if they don't want to do it. These are the great books well, of Western civilization. You How many things have you done that you maybe didn't want to do? And then in hindsight, after you've completed it, like, oh, I'm so glad I did that. Right, exactly. Right? And so you, as a parent, you have to be a conduit for that too. Yeah. For You have to recognize that human beings are not, we're not all good or all bad. We're not always going to seek what's right for us or never going to seek what's right for us. We're, we lie somewhere in the middle of all of those things. Right. And right. It, that's, I think you've talked to us about this uh, before. And it is, it's, it's funny because it's as though someone recognized a hole in the way we were educating and raising children in that it was very authoritative and directive yeah. and like, man, we need to let kids express themselves and be creative. Yes, they do. But as with many things in our society, we tend to overcorrect that. Yeah. That means you're running the shot, three-year-old, the right, show, yeah, three-year-old Johnny. You're in charge. Tell me, I will. I'm at your beckoning will. Like, that's insane. Yeah. They're three. The same yeah. reason you shouldn't get mad at your three-year-old because they're three is the same reason they should not be in charge of every <laughs> moment and every decision of their right. life. Yeah. And I mean, there, there's a reason why public school in and the the traditional way that we educate kids is like so authoritative and like in I mean. It was invented by the Germans, <laughs> which are like very clear cut. This is the way that you do things. And it hasn't changed since it was invented hundreds yeah. of years ago, right? So now, I mean, we're we're going to be homeschooling our kids. Mm -hmm. We live on the side of town where there are not any options for private schools, really. I mean, the closest Montessori school is 25 minutes away. Yeah. And then, so Friedrich started, but then like, the third, Friedrich and Victoria, but then the third kid didn't, and we drove 30 minutes there, 30 minutes back, 30 minutes there, 30 minutes back. The, one of the kids was in the car for two hours. Like, it's just yeah. not, we just chose not to do that. So homeschooling is the option that we're going to pursue, and that gives you the freedom to choose some of these philosophies. And yeah, we're, we're going to have a curriculum, and you're going to learn these things because you have to learn math, and you have to learn, you know, science and and different subjects and read these books and whatever but there's freedom within that within that framework. and there isn't really that much freedom in the public school system even with no. the teachers the teacher i mean you guys were teachers yeah. there's we my brother-in-law's a teacher in rochester and he tried he's a language teacher and he tried to bring in articles of clothing and have people in the classroom talk about the articles of clothing in french and have conversations and like this is the way you learn languages right you talk and mm -hmm. you engage in conversation and he got in trouble for that. And they were like, that was cute, but we need you to go back to the worksheets. There's no freedom, even with yeah. the teachers, to do that. So homeschooling is the best option that we have found as far as like where we live. Um, and we're we're going to engage in a lot of different models. Yeah, I was, I was, that was going to be my next question is, do you guys have a, a, a model that you're looking at? Or we just kind a, of a hybrid of some, some different elements that you think are valuable? Yeah, so we're probably going to do mostly a classical education okay. with our kids. And so that's different from a traditional education. So when people think of a traditional education, they think of like, you can homeschool in such a way where you're basically taking the public school curriculum and just doing it at home. Yeah. Right? Which is still And that would be your better. traditional? That would be more traditional, right? Yeah. You're just doing the bait, you know, you're reading the same books, To Kill a Mockingbird in sixth grade, or whatever it is. You know, you yeah. just follow that exactly. To a certain extent, you have to do some of that because there are state standards that you have to submit yeah. your paperwork for and they check in on you and things like that. Um, a classical education is um, more...
more of it's very reading intensive. It's okay. very writing intensive. And you teach in such a way. So this is the thing that I like the most about it is you teach in such a way that all of the subjects are connected. That's what I hated the most about public school. So I would, and I'm assuming you would too, you like would go silo, to science. You go to science? This is science Yeah, stuff. you'd go to science for 50 minutes. Actually, I had for two years in high school, I was on block scheduling, so I only had four classes a day, and they were like an hour and a half or two mm-hmm. hours each. And that was great because you really got to get into that subject and really 50 minutes 45 50 minutes i mean oh it goes like that yeah, yeah. i yeah. mean the first 10 minutes are like trying to control the class and then maybe you listen for 20 minutes and then but i never learned how to learn in school either i didn't isn't it a, a really interesting how many people yeah. have that when we had our friend casey on recently and he said the exact same thing and i've said that for years that yeah. you know when i look at like when i look at my little sister compared to me She's really, she's very smart, uh, and she's very academically smart, and she's very hardworking. She knows how to study and learn. And re- it, I've had to, especially in the last, I would say really in the last five or six years, is when I've actually focused on learning how to learn and learning how to really comprehend in the way that works for me. And it was made more difficult when I was younger because I was good at school, yeah, I, I was, was good, good at school, at too. School. Yeah. yeah, I got A's. So I thought that meant I knew how to learn. Yeah. And it, those two things are not necessarily the same. No. It, it's just I understood how to play that game. And I was good at taking a test. And it, But I didn't really learn anything. Right. And most of the stuff that I was exposed to academically, I couldn't tell you anything about it. Yeah. No, like There's just nothing, no. you know. And it's a really interesting thing that, so many people come out of our public education like that. And it, and what yeah. dawned on me when you're talking about your guys' approach to the to what you want to do with homeschooling, it's providing principles and a framework from which to work within. And, and within that, you can find, uh, you know, I know that reading and writing is a valuable tool and skill that I need to, to practice and learn and understand so that I can have access to construction vehicle books that I want to learn right. about or tree or whatever the thing is so if you can, you can read, shift you can learn and it, like that is the key to learning is but you have to know how to read too I even had a moment in college where I just specifically remember sitting outside under the streets like the part of campus where there's wi-fi outside people throwing frisbees sitting in a hammock you know whatever <laughs> and I'm reading and I remember being with a friend and I'm like I just don't understand this and she was from a family who, like, they read books together and discussed them, which is just super foreign to me. Like, yeah. I didn't do that growing up. And she's like, well, let me take a look. I think it was meteorology. And she's like, okay, well, what are you struggling with? And, like, this specific spot right here. And, you know, in retrospect, she was kind of treating me like a kindergartner a little bit, where she's like, well, let's read the first sentence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we read the first sentence, and she's like, every single word in this sentence means something, and it connects to the other words in in a specific way like they were written for a specific reason to communicate a specific thing i think what i was thinking when i was reading before is like the cat jumped over the rock like okay you read it and you comprehend it you don't think about that sentence yeah you have to actually read and think and comprehend and connect and i wasn't i wasn't doing that before just reading and expecting it to just be really easy information and so that was a really big turning point for me was to actually read and comprehend and understand and connect and make these, mm-hmm. you know, figure out how it goes back to this previous subject. Yeah. And, 
and whatnot. Um, so that was a turning point for me, but that's what I want to do for my kids. And, um, to go, yeah. To, so to go from like a 50 minute science class to a 50 minute literature class and then have those things not be connected in any way is so incredibly silly to me yeah. because that is not the way our minds work. And you can absolutely connect every single subject. I mean, if we are talking about, uh, let's say we're talking about like ancient Greece or something as far as our history lesson yeah. goes. Okay, well then how can you connect that to literature? I keep talking, I, I have at least that, yeah. mentioned the, the Iliad and Odyssey twice now, but yeah. now maybe we can talk about the Iliad and Odyssey when we talk about literature. Okay, well, how can we connect that to science? We can talk about the science of the Greeks. Well, what were the Greeks interested in? They were interested in uh, the human body and this, you know, astronomy and what sort of things did they things? understand long yeah, before so like, they had technology to get in? Like there's a lot yeah, to unpack. So let's, let's talk about all of those things and relate it. And you don't even have to talk about like the science from that age. You can talk about anatomy and physiology as a part of your science lesson that day, but then you can connect it to the things that you just learned two hours ago. Yeah. And you can connect every single one of those subjects together. And there's also a lot of stuff that I think people they go through the, at least the American education system, just don't learn. I mean, I certainly didn't. There's like, a lot of box mm -hmm. checking. Yeah. Right. Read yeah. this book because you have to, our whether history, you're interested or not. Yeah, and our history right? is so like, silly, too, like the things that we learn in the American public school system. Like, I think most people who go through the American public school system are like, okay, yeah, there's like Greeks and Romans, and then like not a lot of stuff happened, and... <laughs> And then they're then like the Spanish were bad and England was good, but then we defeated the England, so now England is bad and we are good. And then the South is bad and the North is good. And then there's World War One, World War Two, and then now the Middle East is bad. Like th this yeah. is like yeah, you I mean, know, this is what Americans think. American about. history in a nutshell, right there. <laughs> right, exactly. And we are the best. <laughs> like, yeah. At the end of it, we will never fail. Um, so it's just kind of funny um, to think about the things that I learned, and you know. Yeah. Um, thinking about how I want to teach my kids. And I, we're a part of a homeschool co-op now. We just started a couple weeks ago. There's 150 families in yeah. it. And so What's it called? It's called Grace Collaborative. They are based out of Spencerport. There's a couple in the Rochester area. Um, there's, there is a homeschool co-op that uh, follows a classical method. They're in Greece, but you have to sign a statement of faith for it. And they're uh, like Protestant evangelical co-op. Mm. So you have to sign their statement of faith that you agree with them. There's also other ones. I know that there's some on the east side, too, where they have statements of faith that, so you have to, like, agree. You know, and I think this might be where people get the idea that homeschoolers are, like, religious nuts yeah. or kind of crazy. And you know what? A lot of the people that I've encountered, I mean, they're incredibly nice people. They're really smart. They're, they're my kind of people, though, because I like to be around people who are interesting and have interesting opinions, and they all do. Yeah. And, and some of them might be kind of wild, but a lot of them are just, they just have really unique like strong perspectives and I, I like those people because you can learn a lot from them mm -hmm. they're interesting I don't want to mm -hmm. be, be around people who don't have unique who just and agree strong with everything you say yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so we're part of that co-op and uh, they meet every Thursday and they do a full day or a half day and they start from at two years old and you can go through high school it's all parent taught mm -hmm. and you ha because it's a collaborative you have to either teach or aid a certain amount of classes so I'm okay. there I teach a class I teach a class that I never thought I would teach but they needed someone and I saw it as a unique challenge so I teach music for third graders really <laughs> yeah um, and it's been really fun because I think it so Kyle looks at it, he's like how do you know this stuff and I'm like well I played instruments and 
I took music, mm -hmm. to think that somebody who's gone through the public school system isn't smart enough to teach the things that you should learn in like a, you know, this is not a public school setting, but that the public school system want, still wants you to learn, it kind of indicates that there might be a problem with the public school system. So I saw this as a unique opportunity where it's like, you know what, if I'm going to be homeschooling, I'm going to have to relearn a lot of stuff. Yeah. I'm going to have to, like, this is going to be a unique challenge. Actually, it's been really fun. I remember way more stuff than I thought I did. You just have to be smarter than the third grader. Just hit one step ahead. <laughs> right? You just got to, yeah, you just got to know. Which like, sometimes sounds easier than it may be. You know? Yeah. Well, some of them, see, it's, un, the, the homeschool environment is unique in that some of the kids have been in, like, piano for, like, three years. Yeah. And then other kids are like, I cannot comprehend an eighth note. Like, whole note, half note, quarter note, fine. Eighth note, just can't do Done. it. Yeah. Just cannot. So you have to kind of differentiate and do some different stuff. There's also, um, I didn't anticipate, like, some learning disabilities in class. I think there's a, a percentage of homeschoolers who take their kids out of the public school system because their kids just, just not They don't learn something in that way. That, yeah. 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 So I have that kind of unique challenge. But it's, yeah, they've got all kinds of classes, and it's, they actually meet in an old church school building so it feels like a school environment mm, you have classrooms cool. that you go into they've got extracurriculars that they do on Wednesdays so you can be on the so same soccer team as like the people that are in your classes on Thursday on, on Thursdays so I think that's something that people struggle with with when they think about the idea of homeschools they're like well my kids are gonna be weird and they're not gonna be socialized and they're not. Yeah. but there's several opportunities how many weird unsocialized people go to public schools Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, again, True. it goes back to the, the stories and the narratives that we tell ourselves. Like, I can't do that. It's going to be, you're going to be weird. If no. you are weird and not socialized, your kids are probably going to be weird and not socialized, right? right? Yeah. Because they're learning from you. Right. Yeah. And and you're not going to engage with other people. I mean, I've got, you know, my Friedrich says, when I ask him who his best friends are, he's like, Dylan and Aubrey and Chad and Melissa. <laughs> like, you four. You they know? And... And get, but that, you know, we're social and we have friends and he's never going to go to school with Dylan and Aubrey. Probably yeah. never. Yeah. And, you know, they'll probably continue to be friends and, and that's cool. And, and we hate, because we hang out with you guys and we make it an effort because yeah. we have yeah. friends. So he's going to have friends. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So if you don't have friends and you're kind of weird, like eh, your kids, but they'd be that way anyways. If they were yeah. in public school probably. They'd be kind of weird. They'd be the kid eating glue. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and that goes back to, I mean, I, you've had countless conversations with clients about them giving themselves up oh, to yeah. be a parent. And I think that's a lot of the well, angst I, that I people carry. The last, what yeah. people carry is that angst that they have to do that, right? Yeah. If you're listening to Kayla right now and you're like, oh my God, she's doing all this stuff for homeschooling and she's learning all these things. it You can, again, tell yourself that story, that narrative that like this is a tremendous burden and I'll have to give everything up that is me or... You could look at it the way you described it, which was, this is really interesting. I get to tap into something I used to do. I kind of, I knew more than I thought I did about yeah. it. And I'm learning about stuff. Yeah. And I get these new challenges. You get to do all these things and you get to incorporate it. Yes, there's effort involved. There's time and energy involved. But you're not giving up yourself. You're adding to yourself in oh, the yeah. process. Well, and right? I'd love to talk about things that you do that are just for yourself. Mm. Yeah, so we just, uh, by just, I mean literally like this week. So if we had this podcast in like a month, I might have more. But we just implemented in my house and like slightly new schedule where Mondays I have time to myself from like, you know, it depends on the day, but roughly like four to six or so. Mm -hmm. Like I have some time 
and then Thursdays Kyle has time to his uh, hit himself so he can go he can go shoot his bow in the backyard or whatever I mean we that doesn't mean that you can't do stuff for yourself at other times but no those, but it's, we have like dedicated yeah. time which I think is a good starting point for most people yeah. yeah we need that um I like to sew so I do that um i I like to bake. I do that. I mean, I work out in the morning too. That's for myself. And I have to do that or else I'm just a really angry, grumpy human mm-hmm. for the rest of the day and probably the week. Um, it's hard right now with COVID because there's not a ton of stuff that you can go out and do besides like go to a restaurant and get drinks. But um, I guess this isn't just for myself because Kyle would come with me. But the recreational companionship is obviously really important. We would go climbing a lot. Mm-hmm. We can't really do that because you have to have a membership now. And we live far enough away to where we can't justify the membership. Yeah, Yeah, but we could drop in. Now we can't. Um, But I do those things. I read a lot. I read for myself. I listen to podcasts. And I have to do that, too, because even though I have those fun conversations about cups being drinking devices, like, sometimes I need something a little bit more. (laughs) So I listen. I usually listen to podcasts in the afternoon when my youngest is sleeping and then Friedrich is usually doing some activity by himself. He's really good at playing by himself, so he's... So I'll listen to a podcast and do that. Um, and then I have to read usually in the morning or at night. And um, that's kind of that's kind of it. But I feel like that's, that's still a lot, a lot yeah. to do. Well, if you don't make time to, to read, I mean, if you're reading anything after you've graduated high school, you're like better than most people, <laughs> right? Um, but I, I have to do that for my own sanity. Yeah. I A lot of things I talk to with the moms that I work with is looking at just little snippets in your day that could be just for you. So I had a mom that just, you know, said back to me, like, sitting on the couch, drinking her tea, watching her husband and her daughter play music together. Like, yeah. that was for her. And, like, I'm starting to know, like, yeah, a lot doesn't of people... Mean, it doesn't mean that you have to be by yourself, no one else is around. Well, and I think a lot of times thing. parents especially think that self-care needs to be, like, spending a day at the spa. And then, yeah. and then it becomes like, well, I can't afford that, or I need to get a babysitter, or what, how am I even going to start that, you know? So looking at little snippets, finding yeah. those things in your day, I think, is is important. But also having, I think, having some dedicated time yeah. where you can expect it, you can plan for it, I think that's a really good start for you people. You can't always rely on spontaneity as a parent. No, you no, just can't. no. It, it, you lose a little bit of that in your life, the ability to just say, hey, let's just go to dinner tonight. Yeah. Like, right. Well, grab all the diapers and this and that. Yeah. And now I mean, we're talking about, and I know you guys have like a dedicated date night. We do think have a dedicated really date important, night. Yeah. And we're talking about setting that up with Chad's sister. And like, we're like, well, what if we don't want to go out to eat every Wednesday night or whatever? And we're like, let's go just go sit in a parking lot or at the gym or, yeah. you know, you know whatever. Do, like, whatever, like, do, do, just go, like, yeah. put on a podcast and drive around for two hours. We, like, it's just, we it's do a that. Break. <laughs> we, do. we do that. We often will still, still go get something to eat, like, yeah. real quick. We try not to spend tons of money when we go out to eat. It's, it's hard, though, because you can get, like, two sandwiches and it's, like, 50 bucks. Yeah. Sure. But we, we do do that. Every Wednesday we have date night. Kyle's mom comes over from, like, four to six or seven, whatever. We have a couple hours. But during, when COVID first happened, it was like, well, what what are we going to do? Well, we continued to do the date night. And that was so important for us. We literally just went for a walk and I was not pregnant at the time. So we'd like, we'd go get a six pack sometimes, like walk around with a beer, just like chatting for two. There was one time too, where we, uh, so we have a, like a Creek on our property, somewhat between a river and a Creek. And a tree had fallen and then all this brush and it's just creating all this overflow. And so probably around April or May, you know, pandemic, everything's closed. Every date night, we'd like 
grab a beer and just start like <laughs> getting Clear these logs out. We put like <laughs> the big boots on. We, Kyle would have a chainsaw. He'd be like, "Get that!" We'd, we'd be like moving stuff together, and it was still like a team building activity yeah. Yeah. and really fun. And we so we continued to do that, and it was really productive. And we may have destroyed a beaver's house, but we didn't know that at the time. Yeah. But that's what happened. <laughs> but I mean, but. I think that that goes back to. What we've said a bunch of times during this little chat is that it's it's a lot about the stories that we're telling ourselves. So <clears throat> it doesn't always have to be a spa day or <clears throat> or a weekend getaway. It can be yeah. chopping up a tree yeah, in the yeah. woods in your property. It can be all of these things. And then recognizing that each of those things, reading books, exercising, planning that time to yourself, taking those little snacks throughout your day of time for yourself all all of those things having other interests they contribute to you as a whole which allows you to better contribute as a parent to your child they get to see you have interests they get to see you try and maybe fail at something or learn something or step away from the moment and take that time for yourself they get to see it's important i know this is a conversation that you've had a number of times with your mother that you know, when you look back now as a parent, that she didn't do that. Mm. She she gave everything to her girls, everything. And they didn't pursue personal hobbies or time to herself. And so now as, as a grandparent, she's latched on to that. And it's really important and it should be really important to her. But man, you gave that up for 30 something years. Yeah. You know, and yeah. how much more valuable would it have been to find would, balance there? She would do some things. Like, she always would exercise in the basement and stuff. But, like, I think... But it was always now, not a time. It was like, I was just going to say, it, that's exactly what I was going to say. Was, and especially now, like, I can feel that, like, everything has a countdown to it. So I have this time to work out, but I have 26 minutes before my baby's going to start crying. Yeah. Right? Like, and it is. It's it, That's an overwhelming thing to have. That, that consistent countdown. So it's yeah. nice to have help or have a specific time where, like, I know I have two hours. So without, no matter what's happening right. inside, it can be yeah. mayhem inside, I'm allowed these two hours. Yeah, right? but the, to, to your point, though, of continuing with those hobbies and having your kids see you do them, I mean, we have a de- we're very lucky. We have a three-car garage, so about half of it is our gym, and then we dedicated the other half to building a little play space for them with mats and like a little spinny thing and whatever. And so they can play out there while we're working out mm-hmm. and we can take our time. And I mean, I see Friedrich go to your house and pick up your like pretend barbell and like act the way, you know, yeah. throw yeah. it down and say boom and whatever. And it's like really fun to see that. And with things like books, I mean, so a lot of people know that there's incredible value in books and you've got to get your kids all these books. And then, but they don't read any books themselves, themselves and yeah. their kids don't see them read any books and they don't yeah. see. So Kyle and I will often read different things at different times. And like he has spent, so right now I'm on this Napoleon kick. Mm-hmm. So I'm reading that, or I'm listening to this podcast called the age of Napoleon, which is really good. And I, and then reading a book that's a contrary view to this podcast. Cause I had finished a book last year that was a, How dare you read something that is contrary <laughs> to something else? I know, I know. So I, I, I had read this fiction novel that was like based in that same era, and then a nonfiction book, and then a podcast, and just kind of connecting all of them together. Well, Kyle hasn't hasn't done that. He hasn't like really invested a lot of time in Napoleon. I don't think a lot of people probably have, but 
uh, so maybe I'm weird, but he'll invest a lot of his time in something else and then we'll talk about those things together. So yeah. he's like spending a lot of time world, learning about World War One, which is something that he did a couple years ago, just really invested a ton of time in World War One. Then we can talk about like the French Revolution and how the this period might feel the same way as this other period or or whatever and we do that in front of our kids all the time yeah. we talk about it and I was listening to I was actually listening to a podcast on World War One. it was funny because I listened to it in the car so I refuse to listen to awful children's music mm-hmm. and I'll listen to the podcast in the car and you don't think your kids are listening but but they are and he'll say really random like so Friedrich's into Star Wars and so the word like stormtrooper comes from World War One. So I'm listening to the podcast. He's like, they're talking about stormtroopers. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, those are a little bit different. So then we could have that conversation. It's kind of interesting. And he can, you know, he can talk about, because he just knows the names and things. He doesn't actually understand it. But he'll be like, oh, the Battle of Verdun. And he'll just randomly say that sometimes. Yeah. And I'm like, that's and so probably, weird. And that he's probably you, really proud like, of it, too. He's like, like, I remembered that. From yeah, I remember that. Yeah, right. he played this game for a while where he was like, Victoria is the French and I am the Germans. I was like, okay, <laughs> cool. Fair enough. <laughs> so yeah, um, but it's really fun to do that in front of your kids too, because then they, you know, they see you doing that, and they see you taking care of yourself and eating specific things and reading things, and you wake up at a certain time and you make your bed and yeah. you put your clothes away. Like, yeah, it's why would your kids clean their room if your room's not clean? And, and we all recognize that, right? No one likes a hypocrite. Right. No one's like, man, I, w- I wish I had more hypocritical people in my life where that told me to do stuff that they never do. Yeah. Right? And, like, <laughs> and so, yeah, you're going to, why would you step into that role as a parent? You know, you're not allowed to eat this or you're not allowed to say that or you're not allowed to do these things or you are allowed or I want you to, and I don't embody any of that. Yeah. And your right? kids are going to think that's so cool when they're older. So my dad has always been really into mountain biking. He mm-hmm. is going to be 66 years old this year and he still mountain bikes probably 60 plus miles a week. He's retired now, so he has the ability to do that. But he's in incredible shape. He doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. He rides his bike. I mean, he's maybe too many ice cream bars or something. But that, yeah, whatever. He's incredibly healthy, and he enjoys his life, and he enjoys his time. And he's done that my entire life. So when I would go, you know, my parents were divorced, but I'd go there every other weekend. We were always outside. We were mountain biking, riding ATVs. We were fishing. We were doing stuff. And then I look at my mom, too. My mom was on a competitive sailboat racing team. So she raced sailboats. I grew up in Florida. So she raced sailboats. She was on this all-female competitive sailboat racing team. I was like one of the only ones in Tampa Bay, this like all-female crew. And I didn't realize until I was a little bit older and I was just talking How to somebody cool about it. How cool that was at the time. Oh, that is really cool. Yeah. My, that my mom did that. And so I went to sailing camp, which makes me sound like I grew up rich and I totally didn't. <laughs> it was just like, it was like this rinky-dink little <laughs> like thing yeah. that I did. But, um... But yeah, I mean, like, I got to see her do that, and even if you don't think it's cool at the time, because your kids probably think everybody does the things that you do. Yes. Right now. You know. They absolutely do. And as yeah. they get older, you'll see, like, they'll start to say that. Yeah. They'll recognize, that they'll say something that makes you kind of clue into that fact that, well, not everyone does this. <laughs> That's right. why. You know, and she, like, they don't say things at the grocery stores, <laughs> stuff like that. Sometimes it's not yeah. always appropriate. And it is because, like, you are their world. Yep. At this point, and that's all they know is what you've shown them, and and a couple of things that you touched on was one, like we said, you're you're living the example for your kids to to learn from, and for your kids to yeah. see. Oh, we read books together, and mom says it's important, 
and she reads books. So it must actually be important. Right. Right. So they, you, you solidify the things, the lessons you're trying to teach them that you're intentionally yeah. trying to teach them by practicing it for yourself as well. And the other thing I didn't want to gloss over was the how you describe some of the, the way that you and Kyle will consume different information and come together and talk about it. It'd be really easy to say, man, you guys, he works from home. You're a stay-at-home mom. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Things are shut down. What the fuck do you possibly have to talk to each other about? Yeah. All right, and how many people live that life where they watch the same TV shows, they don't do anything interesting outside, they don't take time to do anything interesting, so they're experiencing the same stuff all day. They have nothing to talk about yeah. as, as spouses, and that's going to add stress to your ability to perform as a parent, too. Mm-hmm. Like, all of these things, we have a, this, our, our culture has such a, a an identity with segmenting everything, mm-hmm. right, and compartmentalizing everything, our health, our you know, our relationships, our profile, all these things. And I think that we forget that because we look at things as these different components all the time, we forget that they all feed each other. And so, and and you'll say that to someone like, yeah, I guess I never really thought about that. All of these things, if you have a a healthy movement practice that makes you feel strong and good and and gets you ready for the day, like that's going to make you want to make a better food choice. That's going to make you feel better to be able to pause and take a moment with your child and listen to what they're saying and not let them get you all you know hung up when you do that your kid's going to respond differently like all this stuff just starts to fold over itself and build into it and i think a lot of times people will just they'll kind of gloss over how important something as simple as exploring independent interests Mm -hmm. with your significant other Mm -hmm. so that you have something to talk about you know and you're you're sitting with he with a couple who is worked with one another a lot. I mean, we, yeah. we've, we started dating 18 years ago Oof. and we <laughs> have done the same job and lived together for 11 of those 18 years, all the time with the gym and the first two years teaching in California where we mm-hmm. both taught adaptive phys ed. Hey, you have to, and there was definitely times where we were just like, I have nothing to say to you. Yeah. Because I've been with you all day, and <laughs> we've both been solving the same problems or thinking right. about the same things, talking about the same things, and we haven't taken any time yeah. to go and explore independent, like, especially when we first it's opened the business. It's actually something we've talked about doing more this year. Yeah, we're continuing to try and, and I think a lot that. of people struggle with getting, with feeling okay with having different interests in their yeah. spouse. And, they just well, and we're taking the time. To, yeah. We're taking the time. I know we yeah. do. We yeah. actively talk about feeling bad. If I say I'm gonna go do this thing, and I know that she's at home with both the girls, yeah, and and, and I've said it before. I think on one of our other uh, podcasts, this idea of I'll use the mornings as an example. I know I need to get up and get out of the door before everyone's awake, and to start my day, and, and just that that's a good thing for me. If I don't, and the girls are awake, if the girls are great, and they're like being really sweet and funny and I feel drawn to stay there because I don't want to miss it. I have this like FOMO that kicks mm-hmm. in, especially from not really having a lot of time with, with my parents growing up. I didn't have that sort of environment, so I always want to be there all the time when it's like that. So there's that. Or if they're being not so pleasant, right, and 
I can tell that it's stressful. Now I'm feeling drawn to stay to help her. Yeah. And in both things, we have to actively talk to one another about just, just go. Right. I actually find it easier sometimes when like, if the kids are being difficult, if Kyle's just not there, it's like, cause I can just go into like yes. this mm-hmm. mode and we can just get stuff done. Oh yeah. Don't mistake it. It's not yeah. her wanting me to stay. Yeah. It's me. It's <laughs> yeah. me feeling, feeling compelled to yeah. and vice versa. And we've had a lot yeah, of conversations around that. It is oftentimes that. easier when... It's just one of us. Right. Yeah. 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 It's kind of funny that way. But yeah, I think if anybody kind of comes away from the conversation with anything, it's taking those meaningful moments with your kids. But then also this later part of the conversation, I think is so important to take the time for yourself to do things and, and experience your interests and continue to engage with those because you have to be a person too. You yeah. have to be a person so that your kids can see a person. You are an example to them. Always. And you have to continue Whether to you're that example. Intending on being or right. not. So you have to, if you want your kids to want to be interested in learning, you have to be interested in wanting to learn. If you want your kids to be out, eat healthy, you have to eat healthy. If you want to work out or you want your kids to be in good shape and physically active, you have to do those things. And if you, if anybody listening doesn't do that now, I mean, you just have to start one step at a time. Yep. We all know the things that you have to do. Get out of bed in the morning, make your bed. Yeah. Make sure your room's clean. And remove, and you can, I, I'm glad you touched on that too, because you can also do away with all the stories if you told yourself about what that has to look like. Mm-hmm. Working out doesn't have to be 60 minutes in a gym. No. It doesn't have to be anything. Reading doesn't have to be reading only classical literature. Re- it, yeah. like, it doesn't have to be anything. You know, creating is another thing that we've been talking about recently a lot, is, is actually making something. And whether that's, yeah drawing or building something or writing or working on creating a business or whatever it might be just creating something this podcast it came about because of that because it's a creative outlet for us in many ways Mm -hmm. and like that again you get to practice that exemplify that for your children and they're like oh I can create things too I, I know for for me personally and for a lot of people we view creativity as this is for if you're it's an artistic endeavor if you're a painter or a sculptor or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's not true. We're all create. We're creating our own reality. We're creating our families. We're creating, you know, our own experiences. And, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, within absolutely. that, you can, you can find other ways to do it and do something yeah. with your hands. And who cares if it sucks? Yeah. Like, I love building stuff matter. and I'm not yeah. good at building stuff. It does, yeah. And, and if you think you don't have time, you should probably get off of social media. Or turn yeah, off the right. TV. <laughs> turn off the TV. Get off. I Time my, audit. my yeah. My anxiety decreased so much when I got off of social media. I yeah. have so much time. I mean, if you're sitting on the couch in the morning, we wake up in the morning well before the kids do, like at least two hours before our kids wake up, and sit on the couch and drink coffee for a little while. And it, when I had social media, I was using that time to scroll through social media, yeah. which is just, just totally hollow. Yeah. There's nothing there. Just trying to get some oxytocin. You're. Yeah. posting something so somebody that you went to third grade with can like it like why yeah. do you care yeah why I, do you care i mean that's a whole nother conversation oh it is a in, total, totally in and of itself and yeah. it's something that we struggle with as business owners because we recognize it well, as kind of, kind of a, it. it's yeah. somewhat of a necessary evil and so we have to be very intentional about how and when we engage with it and you know and for myself personally i made it a, a commitment to being more present on social media uh, this year going into it. So it's not, the burden doesn't fall solely on Melissa. And it's really hard for me because I, I don't, 
I don't understand why anyone who doesn't need to be on there is on there. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I understand it, but it, I don't. I can't connect because with why you would continue to expose yourself algorithms to it. in your brain is, yeah. is designed yeah. in such a way to be addicted to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's, it's, um, you know, we've, we talk to clients all the time about doing a time audit yeah. you know, and really looking at how, how many Netflix shows are you watching in a week? I know I'll say we don't watch a lot of TV and I'm like average week. We probably watch, I don't know, five, six hours of TV. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I'm like, and then you talk to a lot of clients, like, I don't watch much TV. Talk to me about the TV. When's it on? Yeah. Oh, it's on for roughly four hours a day. Right, yeah. Maybe more. You're falling asleep every night from 8 p.m. until midnight when you fall asleep. The TV's on while you're in, in your bed. You watch it every morning mm-hmm. and, or, you know, all these sort of things. You're, like, you're working a part-time job, almost full-time. You're about to be mm-hmm. promoted. Right, like right. for watching TV, and there's nothing wrong with watching TV. No, I, like watching I think it's a... good to watch TV every once in a while. Like we like some garbage TV, so I like wake up in the morning, read about Napoleon, work out, take care of my kids, and then I watch my 600 pound life <laughs> for like 30 minutes. Yeah, and then I go to bed. But it, balance. I mean, yeah, it's really important. I think for us to have that time where we just sit down and we engage with like you know some content that's just totally bottom of the barrel garbage and we can just like laugh and have a good time and enjoy ourselves and you don't have to think too much and then you can just go to sleep but we don't do it for very long and we certainly don't do it every night and i think just being aware of that so if you think you have no i have no time at all it's like well if you literally have no time then cut out all the tv yeah okay no you do have time you can watch a little bit of tv and have time for this other thing Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's not one or the other a hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. Um, so let's, uh, I want to tie this up. I, I know we kind of went down a couple of different rabbit holes and I love it. I think the discussion was, was great. The, so coming back to this shift from professional, full-time professional to full time parent, couple parting words for anyone listening. If they're considering making that shift, the biggest things that were of value to you and making you feel successful with it and maybe the what some of the larger challenges or more difficult things to overcome were for you in that shift yeah with making the decision or just actually doing it either or yeah so in making if you're struggling with making the decision work is always there and your children are not always going to be whatever age they are now Mm -hmm. right so that's something i told myself i will never have free jerk will never be a 13 month old little boy ever again but there's going to be plenty of project management jobs yeah. at some point out there. So if you make the decision and you're at six months in, you're like, this was a terrible mistake. Well, you can go back. Yeah. So it, I don't think the stakes are as high as people think they are. So you can make that decision and you can always change your mind. The stakes are higher if you continue to work and then you change your mind later because you can't actually get there that time no. back. So yeah. that's those are the stakes that are higher. But what's made me feel successful, and it is it is really hard in the beginning making that transition and just kind of trying to figure out what to do with your time and whatever. But once you get into a groove of things and your kids are, are you know really having you are having a lot of fun or they're learning things or whatever, that's when you really start to feel I think quote unquote successful as a stay at home mom because now you're in this groove and they're enjoying themselves and you're enjoying themselves. That's certainly not every day. Um, but that's what has contributed to my feeling of success as well. I mean, I feel like now at this point, of course, everything's going to be shaken up when I have a third kid with my sure. schedule. But 
I am able to get all the meals on the table and the laundry is done and my kids are happy and they're bathed and they're fed and they're learning new mm -hmm. things and telling me about things and, and recognizing those little wins. Like I was saying before, nobody's actually telling you like, Hey, yeah. you're doing a really great job. Hopefully you have a spouse that tells you that like, Hey, you're doing a great job. Um, but just recognizing what those little wins are, I think. Yeah. And what was your second question? Bring some awareness. Well, I, I just want to point out that that's bringing awareness to it yeah. for yourself. That's something that, that personally I've, worked on and you know a few months back had had an experience that really helped me to like to recognize that you're doing you're doing okay as a dad yeah. you know because you do question it right um so the other things i had asked was uh some of the if, oh, you, the if there's any major major challenges that jumped out that you needed to that that you needed to circumvent that you think people the, should just be aware of. Well, the first is, we touched on it before, it's just your expectations for what you're going to accomplish in the day, like what your days are going to look like, how that's going to go mm -hmm. in general. Um, so that was a challenge for me because I just thought we would do all these things or it's going to be <laughs> fine and, you know, whatever. The other is when, if you've got one, if there's a, a spouse or a partner or whatever it is that is full-time working and then now you are full-time staying home, the challenge that I didn't anticipate was figuring out this new breakdown in responsibilities. Mm, yeah, with that, that division of person, labor. And... Right, because when you're both working, well, then you both come home and you're both kind of like doing all the things, right? It's like one, you know, you put this kid in the bath and I'll do the dinner and I'll do this and this and that. Well, the breakdown looks very different now. I mean, Kyle's still an incredible husband and father and contributes in a lot of ways, but his, his role at home is a little bit smaller now. He doesn't, you know, I have more time during the day to plan the meals. Mm -hmm. So I don't necessarily have all the time to cook all the meals. So he still cooks meals for us too. But it's, it's on me to grocery shop now. Yeah. I mean, I can take the kids to the grocery store during the day. It's on me to do that. It's on me to plan the meals now. I can throw a load of laundry in the wash while the kids are playing. Like, that takes two seconds. That's on me now. But those things were not entirely on me before. Yeah. And I didn't, I guess maybe I didn't really think about what that breakdown was mm -hmm. going to look like and what those expectations were going to be. I don't think he thought I was going to do everything. But he definitely thought that, like, he just wasn't going to have to do as much. And I just thought things were going to, it's like, well, I'm going to do everything until five when you get off of work and then my job is over. Hmm. And, but I, I just have a lot more time during the day to get those things done, which is actually really nice because then you don't do as much on the weekends, like housework, and you yeah. know, enjoy yourselves and stuff. But I think having the conversation in advance with your partner or spouse 100%. about what, what are your expectations? Like, do you, Kyle had this <laughs> We can joke about it now, but he had this idea that like, oh, you're at home, you're gonna have all this time, you're gonna be able to count all my macros for me. Yeah. They're like, no, <laughs> I, ha I do not have that time to count <laughs> your macros for you and to like meal prep, like for every little thing that you're gonna eat. Like, yeah, I have time to, to meal prep most times, but not like, you know, we're not gonna take it to this extreme. So just having those expectations, having those conversations, because it does change things. I'm the person who wakes up in the middle of the night now, because I don't have to actually go to work and communicate with another adult yeah about something you know I can it, I could take a nap if I wanted to if my kids are napping he can't yeah. so that's the difference before if I was working he would you know we'd trade off but that's I that's really important I think that's a yeah. huge takeaway is is whether you communicate or not there's gonna be a shift and it's just gonna be the two of yeah. you will perceive it differently if it hasn't been discussed and it's yeah. really easy to be like 
man, I can't believe him. He doesn't want to do anything after work. I've been taking care of the kids all day. Yeah. Or for him to say, I've been working all day, and now she wants me to just step in and do all this dad stuff as soon as I finish. That's a very common complaint from both sides of, of yeah. the you know the spectrum there. And a lot of times it's because you just haven't had that discussion about how to do it. So I think that's that's awesome, and that's a beautiful way to, to end it. Yeah. Uh, you got anything oh, for us I- there? The great Melissa. Always love chatting with you. Oh. I think, yeah. Kayla, thank cool. you so much for coming of course. on. We thank really you appreciate so much for having it. me. Yeah. Thank you. Um, guys, hopefully you got something valuable out of this. As always, subscribe, give us some feedback, give us some comments if there's anything in particular you'd like to hear or learn about, and we will see you all next time.